Welcome to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Thank you everyone for coming to a special episode of Deep Drinks Podcast. Uh, My name is Dave, and for those who don't know, this is a podcast where we have deep conversations over deep drinks. Uh, The the guest chooses the drink of choice, uh, and and we use that to facilitate uh, the conversation. Um, uh, For those uh, who don't know as well, um, we're we're trying really hard to get to 1,000 subscribers. So if you like content like this, um, subscribe, and we're going to be doing a charity stream, um, much like this one, but for six hours long, uh, when we get to 1,000 subscribers. Uh, Before we start, um, I do want to mention a few things on the war, just so everyone has the correct context before going into this. Um, So some notes on the war. It has been seven months since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In that time, 6,114 civilians have been killed, 390 of which were children. On the 15th of September 2022, several mass graves, including one site containing at least 440 bodies, were found um, in the woods near the Ukrainian Ukrainian city of um, Izum after it was liberated by Ukrainian forces. The 414 bodies included 215 civilian men, 194 civilian women, five children, and 22 servicemen. Most of the dead showed signs of violent death, and 30 presented traces of torture and execution, including ropes around their necks, bound hands, broken limbs, and genital amputation. The parliaments of Estonia, Latvia, Canada, Poland, Lithuania, and the Czech Republic, along with Ukraine, recognized Russia's war crimes as genocide against the Ukrainian people. So with those few things said, I'd like to introduce our very brave guest, um, Anastasia Peraskibova, who is the Ukrainian citizen volunteering on the front lines of the Russian invasion. Her father was tragically killed um, by, the Russian, by a Russian missile while standing on the balcony of his Kharkiv home. Anna will share her life in Ukraine, living under siege, and what she is doing to help. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Anna. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so <laughs> we had some technical technical difficulties, but uh, um, everything worked out in the end, and we it. got it sorted. We probably started restarted the computer and phones about four times, but um, we we got it working. So five. Uh, well, Anna got it working five <laughs> times. Anna got it working. So, yes. Yeah. Five times. Uh, so uh, first of all, uh, this is, I don't normally do um, content uh, like this. I Normally my focus is on religion, philosophy and science, but I saw you on Destiny Stream and my heart just went out to the Ukrainian people and to you and to your story. I thought you were awesome and I just knew that I wanted to have you on to, to have a conversation and thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we, thank you. Uh, <laughs> we, but when I reached out, I was like, okay, Anna, you're in a war zone. Uh, obviously, you're not drinking anything like it would almost be inappropriate to to drink, you know. And you said, fuck no, we're Ukrainian. Well, I don't know if you said fuck no, but you said no, we're Ukrainian, we drink. It's always uh, appropriate to drink in Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. So, uh, so we've got, what have we got to drink tonight? So what I have is this, which is a Ukrainian brand. It's a white wine. Uh, kind of semi-sweet so i know you can't get this brand like in australia so you maybe have something similar and we can yeah. you know 
share a drink. I, I, I looked everywhere, but you know, I think at the best of times, if there wasn't a war going on, it'd still be hard to find. Uh, but I couldn't yeah. find it. I even put out a message to we have a Facebook group of the community I live in, and I said, Does anyone have a bottle of this wine by <laughs> chance that you know someone gave them or something? Uh, but I couldn't Probably find it. Probably some secret Ukrainians. <laughs> Probably. My, my, but I've got I've got <laughs> some I've got some semi-sweet uh white wine here. Oh, uh, and will. I'll be drinking it with you. And you've so got this? like a badass badass goblet like your glass is like cool uh, thank you it's not <laughs> mine it's like uh people whose apartment i'm living in right now so cheers to uh, them okay. i guess awesome so yeah well that's that's a great place to start where are you living right now um right now i'm in kiev and um uh, i go to Kharkiv, my hometown every now and then for mostly for volunteer work and to translate for journalists and people who come to see, uh, I can swear, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so to people who come to see how fucked up my city became due to this war, because it it is bad in Kharkiv. Kharkiv mm. was one of the most uh, damaged cities in Ukraine um, after probably after like Mariupol, obviously that's the worst. But um, <clears throat> after that, probably cities in Kharkivska Oblast which is like Kharkiv region. Uh, so cities like you mentioned in the intro, like Izum, stuff like that. Also Nikolaev, which is in the south, also was pretty terribly damaged. But of course, also Zaporizhia, Dnipro, a lot of cities. So yeah. And uh, I live in Kiev right now. We have um, a friend, childhood friend of my father, his apartment here is now empty because his family left to France. So he basically suggested for me and my mother to stay here for a while. So she can, my mother can a little chill a little bit, you know, to like mm. be a little bit more far away from the active uh, war zone. But just a couple of days ago, they uh, did in fact um, ruined our wife again. <laughs> Russians like uh, killed a bunch of people here. They shelled um city center uh a siren oh shit really a minute yep so what i'm gonna do is i'm going to move to the corridor sorry guys no don't I apologize don't at all please be safe can you hear it yeah we can hear it Yep. That's crazy. Oh my god. So getting away. Sorry. Going to be a bit more dark. But this is for a, a little bit, I hope. And yeah. yeah. Uh That's okay. so what was I saying? Oh yeah, so they but killed a bunch of people basically. Can, can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Did We were just having a conversation and drinking wine and air, air raids just start happening and you seem so casual about it. Like, well. it must be, <laughs> you must be so desensitized at this stage to the constant threat against well, your life. Yeah. I'm not like particularly afraid right now, as you can see. It's just... Uh... It's better to move away from windows 
and from um, yeah from windows basically because the explosion can kill you the shrapnel can kill you glass from the window broken can kill you and it's better to go somewhere when there is uh, like two three walls between you and like uh, the outsides of the house so yeah, yeah. Uh, I will Jeez. sit here for a while and then return if it's Please. all right yeah be be as safe as Please be safe, like uh, be as safe as you need to be. It's it's fine. Yo, so um, so this like safety bubble in Kyiv was a little bit ruined right now. So people are more afraid here because of the um, pretty terrible attacks at the city center. We suffered a couple days ago. Uh, there was no electricity. So I couldn't talk with you on Monday like we agreed because mm. just there was like no internet, no electricity. And um, in many cities in uh, Ukraine, there have been a 24-hour blackout. So, because they attacked power stations in a lot of areas. Uh, but our uh, masterful uh, service people uh, renewed everything and it works now. So, that's nice. And yeah, kind of a little bit... Um, um, it was almost like nothing was going on here. So in Kiev, I mean, like no sirens mostly and people were like living their lives. Uh, and being from Kharkiv, it's always strange to see other cities live their lives normally. But at the same time, I'm glad that people can, you know, live their lives. So mm. it's good that not everybody suffers that way that we do. And um, uh, But uh, at the same time, uh, now it's not that uh, relaxed anymore because I was walking mm. around with my headphones and listening to music here for the first time in many, many months because I no longer can listen music to music in my headphones uh, without anxiety because I think about what if I miss a siren, what if I miss an explosion, what if I miss something like that and, uh, you know, have to be vigilant to hear the sounds and react appropriately. Also, when we were in Kharkiv with my family, it was my job sort of to um, wake everyone up, you know. So I would hear like a mm. loud, uh, like an explosion or a siren and I will go to everybody's rooms and I would be like, wake up, wake up, wake up and tell them mm. to go to a corridor because I have severe insomnia on a good day. <laughs> so it mm. kind of worked well for me because I was not sleeping and I could, uh, you know, like be the vigilant person who wakes everyone up five times per night so mm. yeah and uh, i uh, because of that i could no longer like listen to music in my headphones without uh, getting this anxious feeling uh, and uh, for the time of my stay in here in kiev i started to do that again so i would walk around with my headphones listening to music and i really loved to do that uh, but unfortunately i tried to do that yesterday and i couldn't again so Thanks, Russia. Uh, no explosions, so I think it's fine. I will sit here for like five more minutes and then I will return to that room uh, okay. because it's better there in terms of lightning and more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like no one can, like Ukrainians have to be the bravest people, the bravest nation on <laughs> earth at the moment. Like you guys are just... You're saying literally fuck you russian warship fuck you to the russians like it is 
uh, incredible to see um, and it's inspiring. And I hope that your country gets all the necessary ne um, help it needs from other um, uh, countries um, to help uh, fight against uh, the orcs, as some people would say, uh, who are just pillaging, uh, running through and pillaging, right? Um, so uh, yeah. that's another thing Thank to you. mention. I appreciate it. Another thing to mention is this is a charity stream. So, uh, so Anna's uh, information, her PayPal link is in the description. You can send her money and it helps her continue to like, one, I'm sure it gives you some money to buy food and stuff, but it also helps you volunteer and put back into um, buying medical supplies and, um, and everything else you're doing. Uh, I know that, um, mm -hmm. That uh, that you you're racing on Destiny Stream and the DGGers like all came together and shipped in and what are they? Maybe you can tell us what they got or what yeah. You have, what the help so you get. I'm super grateful to Destiny and his community. It was way more than I expected. So uh, I managed to get uh, 200 of hemostatic dressings for our soldiers. They stopped the bleeding and they are American technology. So I ordered them from the United States and they are incredibly, uh, work incredibly well. Our medics say they are just life-saving uh, devices basically. So that's one thing we bought a quad bike, a whole ass vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But also we managed to get a food cutter for our volunteer girls who work every day in Kharkiv to do meals for our soldiers. So like food, uh, food preparation, they do 2000 meals per day. So that's for them. Cool. I will show it on my Twitter and also all sorts of stuff. Um, we bought power banks for the soldiers. We bought, uh, um, how do you call that? Um, Shina. A thing that cars uses to drive, like oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically for the cars. So yeah, yeah. boots for the soldiers for the winter that is going to be here soon. Already pretty cold, as you can see. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so you know, it's um, a lot of stuff, and we are not like stopping anytime soon. I donated uh, money for Army of Drones, which is a Ukrainian. Uh, donation for getting us drones and um, also i donated to come back alive two thousand uh, dollars which is also a ukrainian charity that both helps our soldiers with medical aid and with weapons as well they even are allowed to buy weapons so things things like drones javelins stuff like that yeah yeah and, and, and this um, is this is all yeah. like this is all just going towards like helping keep your country safe from an invasion which is exactly what i think i can return i hope let's go well, back well be safe nothing be is safe. exploding so seems like it's not us who were shelled someone else yeah. was uh so lucky us i guess yeah um, um. Yeah, I, I'm back in the better spot. Uh, Anna, you've, Anna's been sending me, you know, you've been sending me videos and photos and updates, um, you know, for the last few days since we, we got in contact. Oh, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, been... I haven't finished like talking about the, the aid. Oh, so yeah, I wanted, we bought a lot of stuff and I will, I show everything like receipts and stuff in my Twitter. Oh. And uh, I wanted, just wanted to say to everybody who, who donated, just you're the bestest. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And DGGers yeah. are biggest cutie pies. I love all of you. 
DGGs. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they they have a bad rap on the internet sometimes, but you can't deny yeah, the oh, okay. stuff. No, they are my no, cutie boys. Hey, yeah, they're my. Well, they're my, I don't know what they are. I've, I, they're my, they're my. I love the DGGs. I would call myself a DGG. Ah. I just don't. I watch, I watch Destiny's all of Destiny stuff. I just don't uh go on uh i just don't go on oh, i see so I yeah I, I got some messages like pretty much saying that they're like demons from hell and no. uh, DGRs, i mean <laughs> and no, destiny no, is also like i i got so many people crazy people who just hate him hate him so much <laughs> and they just write to me in, in they're like you yeah. lie about destiny and i'm like what the fuck am i lying about i'm not even like talking <laughs> yeah. about him yeah Weird. i know it's um but, i think you know, i think I, I think the problem is, and I've been watching Destiny since like 2016 or 17 or something. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was the JonTron stuff that, that I watched. Like it was that. Arc. Unaware. But I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I don't know. The yeah, I think. <laughs> I, th I think. Well, I think he just makes a lot of good points, and it pisses a lot of people off. And I think then he can be it really snarky like about that it as well, which is yes, awesome. I watched like yeah. his some of his stuff also quite a lot of his ukraine coverage obviously that's why i wanted to you know talk with him in the first place and um yeah uh, he pretty much decided to talk with me because i think he saw my um, dylan burns uh who is a friend of mine mm. who did interviews with me and yeah. uh yeah so he saw that and i think then he said that he would be like willing to basically talk with me so i like contacted him and voila like yeah, voila awesome. <laughs> basically well, i'm so talked. glad i'm so glad you went on there and you got the attention you deserve there's there's i just have to mention though for all the djs that i can see in chat um that destiny is is i think he's on point with everything except for he is, has the absolute worst food takes of all time if you there's a compilation <laughs> of the that. worst, the absolute worst food takes of all time. Like I will debate him day or night on on any of that that stuff. It's ridiculous. But well, anyway, beyond the beyond the point, doesn't really hurt anyone, really. He's That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, so I also wanted to mention, so all the donations that go straight to you go straight in back into helping the um, Ukrainian. Um, community and the army and helping keep people safe and i saw you sent me videos of people getting um using the bandages on civilians so like the um soldiers were helping the civilians and stuff uh we also have a, a little uh a little um bit of merch that i designed 100 percent of the proceeds go to um you as well so i just Thank designed you. this today i'm not a graphic designer but as you can see russian warship go fuck yourself in <laughs> russian one. ukrainian uh and in uh english and it has um it's got the stamp that famous stamp that you guys that uh that the ukrainian post put out that was like had a soldier flicking off yeah the, um, that one ship. so yeah I, I designed that it's on hats it's on cups it's on anything any scent that um, we we raise through this will go straight back to Anna. But obviously, of Thank course, you. the best way to support you is to go just to transfer your paper money straight away. A minute, um, I will close the window. Okay. Um, we've got some people from Destiny's Reddit. Thank you guys for showing up. 
so I, I want to give you like a, a place to open up and be free to talk about whatever you whatever you like. Obviously, you've gone over your story a, a lot though. So, but if you do feel like going anywhere, if you want to talk about the Spice Girls or whatever, like I don't care, you can talk about anything, all right? But um, but but I, I do think a good place to start um was to talk about a little bit of your past um, and that is about how you left school to be a revolutionary oh. of sorts. Well, tell me about that. Kind of, right? <laughs> Tell me about it. Kind it's of. just... Now, it, there were other reasons because... as well, but uh, this one was uh, quite major. So uh, I, when I finished school, I was pretty interested in how the society works and stuff like that. And I wanted to be like a social worker or something like that. So I went to university and I did my exams and I got in and uh, the, it was sociology in the university of Karazina, which is a, like big university in Kharkiv. And um, it, I would like to point out that you guys, I think, call everything like college or something. But uh, in Ukraine, it's not does not call it college. College is way lower, lower in the uh, in the education, prestige and quality than university would be. So it was kind of like a cool place, basically, <laughs> by our terms <laughs> to study in. So I went there. My father was also went there and my sister. Uh, so my father was, um, uh, in, he started physics and uh, my sister is a psychologist. So, yeah, so I went there and I was... Uh, pretty disappointed, <laughs> honestly, with what I was uh, starting there. But um, I had like no real like concrete desire to quit right until revolution started because uh, I was 19 at the time, I think. Yeah, 19. So 19 and I turned 20 like in the process of the revolution. So um, I was very supportive from the very, very beginning, like first like weak, but I did not like actively participate. But then I started to hear opinions of my professors in the university about what is going on. And those opinions were incredibly insulting to the Ukrainian people. A lot of them were like straight up laughing, very like pro-Russian and uh, incredibly, how should I say it? just nasty towards the protesters and uh, saying that they deserve to be like mold and shit and, you know, repeating this Russian propaganda shit that Russians themselves said afterwards and in the beginning and in the process of the revolution. And they uh, did not support our will to be part of European Union, which at the time most of the people in Ukraine wanted, like 60 something percent. And uh, the fact that people went to the streets to protest the tyranny of the uh, Yanukovych, our president at the time, who was basically a Russian puppet. So he changed mm. the course to European Union that was established to entirely different place, which is Russia, that place. Surprise. So mm. <laughs> he was like very much like that. And people... Uh, students that went out on Kiev to protest when this all began, they were like, oh, wait, dude, we were like going entirely different way. And why are we changing course that all the majority of the country wants? So they pretty much my age, like 19, 20 year olds, went to the streets to protest. It was very kind of like chill, peaceful protest. And he said, beat them up. So students were beaten up to a pulp who were protesting there. And um, after that, a lot of people saw what happened. And even those who were like 
who cares about European Union? You know, like people who didn't really care. They cared about that. They cared that mm. president allowed himself and we have an administration that allows itself to shit all over us that have no whatsoever respect for our will, for democracy, for their people. So people went to the streets, millions of them went to the streets and it lasted pretty much entire winter. So, and then Yanukovych obviously ran away to Russia. Okay. To Russia. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, so, what, you know. so what, what year so was this? So why I left is university it... is because I was very much disappointed already in what was going on in there. But I wanted to be part of the revolution, like all day, every day. And uh, that's what I did. And um, I don't regret it that much, to be honest. But yeah. I mean, you shouldn't regret it at all. That sounds like that's a great story to tell, you know, your grandkids or if you, you know, when you're older, that's like so cool, like uh, to, do that, <laughs> to stand up for what you believe in and, you know, say, fuck you. Yeah. Um, so uh, was that the Euro Maiden what, what Revolution? Person, what? Say it again, please. Was that the Euro Maiden Revolution, the Revolution of Dignity? Yeah, yeah. You call it like Euro Maidan all the time, but uh, we just call it uh, Maidan. Yeah. And uh, oh, also the okay. revolution of dignity. We say Euromaidan okay. sometimes, but it's, uh, I think people just uh, sometimes in the West, especially, they like a little bit um, too much concentrated on the Europe part. So like you, you wanted to be part of European Union. That was true for many people who went to the Euromaidan. But um, not everybody, like many people said, fuck European Union, we don't want it. We want to be like independent from both Russia and European Union. Some people were like, well, I don't know, I'm not sure. Some people were like, yeah, we should like kick Yanukovych out, but still be friendly with Russia. So it was very like different opinions there. But the one opinion that was most important and everybody cared about is that we are Ukraine and we are, will not allow our government to turn into a tyrannical one. Uh, and uh, Yanukovych pretty much tried to do that. He started to came up with the laws that prohibit gathering of people, that prohibit uh, free speech in all sorts of ways. So he was on its way to turn us into something like uh, Belarus. Maybe not as bad, but uh, something like that. So completely dependent on Russia in everything and with a, a cute little dictator on the top. So he wanted to be that, I think, which I'm sorry, dude, <laughs> did not work <laughs> out very well for him. But because we are not uh, Belarusian, we are not Russian, we are Ukrainian, and Ukrainians will not allow this shit. So we didn't. People died. Yes. hundred plus people died. Um, people don't know that actually, but more than 500 went missing and were never found. So there's that. So people found bodies like in the forest, uh, crematory, you know, do you say crematory in English? Mm -hmm. It's like a place where you burn bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that. So they were working cr like crazy in Kiev. So mm, pretty much Berkut, which is like uh, special forces, like uh, military-like stuff, you know, they used against protesters. Uh, they were mm -hmm. like uh, killing people, throwing them in the forest, like burning their bodies in crematoriums and shit. So it was... Uh, snipers, all sorts of stuff. It was like escalating, escalating. But people did not give up. They did not back down. And um, this is what you get when you don't back down. And eventually you win, you win, I think. So this is, uh, I hope will be our story this time around as well.
it sound it sounds um yeah it, 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 it's it's hard for it's it's hard for i guess for me to fathom what you guys have gone through as a country because we don't have like any of that kind of conflict in australia as of yet in our well, history thank fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um not the we best have, time i'd say <laughs> we don't have a little dictator um near us um unfortunately oh not uh, unfortunately sorry um but um ah, i would so, just like to point out one thing that many yeah. people at the time at the beginning of the revolution we didn't talk much about russia because we were not under oppression that under under impression that this was their doing so we mostly mm. were like this particular guy like our president it needs <laughs> to be removed so you know like no, we did not like talk some people did uh, say about his allegiance with russia and stuff like that but it was not like anti-russian per se at the time because it was mm. something people didn't know and haven't figured out who was actually standing behind all of that and many people in cities like my Kharkiv who also had pretty serious protests and um, they were m much more sympathetic to Russia at the time because of the you know all the history that was uh, mm. so we were russified heavily we speak russian because uh, ukrainian was prohibited discriminated against in russian empire and then in soviet union as well so the entirety of the east of ukraine to speaks russian not because our ancestors chose to but because they were forced to so this is the pretty much what they do if you Google uh, how many people in Belarus know Belarusian or speak it, not much. Almost entirely dead language. Like maybe like 20% of them speak it. So uh, yeah, this was the, the fate they wanted for our language, our culture, since Russian Empire days. Uh, so there were like things like MSQKs, Valuev Circular, those are real laws that you can Google in Wikipedia. They were like prohibiting Ukrainian literature, prohibiting learning in schools in Ukrainian, prohibiting pretty much like everything that has to do with the language. Then they even prohibited like not um, ed educational literature, but all literature in Ukrainian. So poetry, like, you know, everything. So, yeah. And uh, in... Um, in Soviet Union times, they did not straight up prohibit like they did in Russian Empire. So, but it was like a gentle, more gentle, more softer Russification. So they would not like straight up prohibit Ukrainian language, but they will uh, discriminate heavily against people who spoke it. So you would be uh, Ukrainian was uh, considered and is still considered by them not a language. So a spoiled Russian literally what they say so it is um you if you spoke like ukrainian in soviet union days in eastern ukraine then people will call you are you rural are you a villager are you dumb are you not intelligent you know stuff like that honestly it's quite typical imperialist shit i don't know when people are so surprised in the west about it it's, it's not that like particularly different from many other imperialist uh, like colonizing stuff that people did all over the place they just uh, yeah. especially americans no no offense to you dudes you are great we are grateful for you know all the help and all the support but sometimes they just cannot even imagine that white people can you know do that to each other no, it's very yeah, strange they're like they're like very 
all about race, which I understand. This is something they care about in their country. Makes sense due to racism and all sorts of stuff. I understand that perfectly. But um, people are very capable of uh, hating each other, even if they are the same color. And Europe <laughs> is the best example of that, I think. So, you know, and um, yeah. people like at each other's throats here all the time, despite yeah. the fact that, uh, you know, we are all kind of the same to you. So, yeah. yeah. And a lot and of, so a lot of, um, a lot of race realists and stuff in, a, in, a, in, in, uh, on online discourse will say like, oh, Europeans. And they'll, they'll, they'll class all of Europe as one big, like group of people. And it's like, do you know any history at all? Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah like, uh, you know what? My, my advice would be go to the Balkans. <laughs> now there is it's like this big and countries are this big and they all hate each other and war all the time so you know oh. like uh, the craziest stuff ever also by the way thanks to you know certain soviet influence and certain serbia and uh, let's not talk about that <laughs> you know i don't even know yeah, i don't even know yeah I'm, I'm let's so not go into my... that wormhole it's yeah. it's a, it's a, we have our own our own wormhole to talk about so you know this is pretty much what uh, people had like uh, people when people say like oh eastern ukrainians are like basically russian and mm. you're like can you not no <laughs> can yes. you not just like disrespect millions we are huge I, we're a big country I, millions of people I, like that so the cities they destroy right now russians are russian speaking cities so Kharkiv, zaporizhia mikolaev they are all russian speaking cities donbass was russian speaking mostly so it's just we speak russian but we are ukrainians we were russified the only region of Ukraine where there is more ethnic Russians is, was Crimea. There was like 60% of them there, for real. But the rest is Ukrainians. They just speak Russian because that's what they did. They discriminated heavily against the language. You will not get a job, decent job in Soviet Union if you spoke anything other than Russian. It doesn't even have to be like Ukraine. So let's say like Georgian, Armenian, like Greek, maybe whatever the like the, the ethnicity or nationality is. It would be my father was considered a suspicious person because he had an accent. He was born in Georgia and then he moved to Kharkiv to study and to find a job. And people basically were like, are you Russian? <laughs> so you know you have to be russian is an umbrella term basically at this point and at that point in history so you have to to live you have to identify as russian basically so forget your heritage forget your history forget your language and just assimilate or else well you can live but people will like laugh in your face basically so I, yeah so i'm not sure I was going to say, yes. I'm not sure if you sent me a link or not, but um, it, if it was you, but you, it was like people were so ashamed of the Ukrainian heritage um, yes. that they I would pretend to be Russian. Destiny. Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That they wouldn't even. Yeah, I told the story about my teacher and uh, maybe oh, your, yeah. your, your, your people would like to hear it. Like, so the story yeah. is basically, I will tell like a short version. So when I was a uh, child, uh, people would. In Ukraine and in Kharkiv specifically, would point fingers at Ukrainian speakers. So in the metro, yeah, would 
like you know go to the metro station and some people in the metro would like speak ukrainian and everyone would be like but children and their parents would be like huh look at those you know to their own people it's in just Ukraine. insane yeah, yeah yeah so so that's how bad it was so it was when i was a child so it was not like that long ago like 50 years ago i'm old but i'm not that old so <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah so basically my teacher when i was in our teacher our school was incredibly very anti-ukrainian and everything so the administration of the school was basically uh the director was like of the school was like a part of the party which is yanukovych's party so you can like kind of imagine you know the the um, the feel of it in the school <laughs> so uh when uh, we had only one like teacher of ukrainian and every other um discipline was taught in russian so mathematics, physics, like stuff like that. History was taught in Russian. The only thing that was taught in Ukrainian was Ukrainian and uh, Ukrainian literature as well. So this one teacher, she was like exceptionally like loud with her love for everything Ukrainian. She would sing like Ukrainian songs to us all the time. And I am saddened to say that we thought, thought she was cringe. So we laughed at her. And I didn't understand what the fuck was her problem. I was like a, a stupid child at the time. I just, I didn't understand why she was so like obsessed with this whole thing. Now I know, of course, but she was, uh, and she one time told me and a couple of other kids uh, a story, which I, again, did not understand how tragic it was when I was a stupid kid, but now I do. So she was from a village in Kharkivska Oblast, and I think, and she talked, the point is that they talked Ukrainian there. So their, her parents were Ukrainian speakers, and she was as well. So she moved to Kharkiv to get some work, and she wanted to work as a teacher with, with children. So she pretty much relearned herself to speak Russian, like clear Russian, without any like accent, without anything. And she completely abandoned her language to be treated fairly basically so she then uh, made a lot of friends in like school and among the teachers and she presented herself as a russian speaker for, to them from the beginning so she, they only knew her as a russian speaker and then she became pregnant and she gave birth to her child in the hospital and uh, her friends came to her hospital bed basically to pay her a visit from the work russian speakers from the work and her mom uh traveled all the way to that to the city uh in the very cold like winter time to see her daughter and the grandchild and she like came to the room uh, to the hospital room and she said uh oh my baby like my girl you show me the child my girl gave birth like stuff like that you know and uh she saw her mom and she spoke her mom spoke ukrainian to her and she like looked at the faces of her co-workers in the room and she was like petrified that they will find out that if your mom speaks Ukrainian, that means she speaks Ukrainian or at the very least she's from Ukrainian speaking family, basically. And she was so terrified of that, that she like straight up in the face of her mother told her that she doesn't know her. So she said, go away, crazy woman. I don't know who you are. I think the story just shows like just mm. how ashamed people were to what degree and her mom did not say a word because she understood perfectly why she did that it's so and sad. she answered 
she answered in Russian, obviously, but so the mom then just went away. Sorry, <laughs> this is just sad. No, it's you it's know. heartbreaking. It's, ah, it's, what's it's... going on? <laughs> I told that story a million times. And I didn't cry. I don't know what's hey, going on. This is so, this is what yeah, we do. This so is deep drinks. You'll be the said, first person that's um, cried on here. So yeah, sorry. So she then said that my teacher said that this was the last time she saw her mother. She died afterwards, and um, she basically said that there was a complete silence in the room, and the only thing that was heard was the heartbreak of her mother. Uh, that's, I forgot that bit. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, bit, that bit kicks in. So, yeah. yeah. So then my teacher then completely changed like everything she was doing, basically. She was like proudly speaking Ukrainian everywhere. She was like singing songs, but I think she in a way felt like very guilty uh, yeah. about what she did to her mother. So she was like trying to compensate basically. And today I'm glad to say that no one will point a finger at you or laugh when you speak Ukrainian in Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. And this happened pretty much after 2014. So this like wall between us, between the West and the East was completely destroyed. We understood, most of us understood that this was entirely a bullshit thing made up by Russia to separate us, to separate Ukraine, because, you know, separate, like to say, divide and conquer. Oh, yeah, that's the phrase. So mm. basically divide people and then you can conquer them. So saw so division between them, like in terms of language, in terms of culture, many people in West Eastern Ukraine, my like childhood friends were entirely convinced that if they go to the West, they will be like kicked in the head because they speak Russian. And then I was like, I was in the West all the time. Like, and I was like, it's not true. People will treat you just fine in the West. If you go there and speak Russian, nobody will be angry at you. Mm. And they were like, no, no, no. They were like, they're like, uh, uh, they're like uh, Banderites there. So, so it's like Bandera, if you know about Bandera. It's like, uh, so basically this was a, a Soviet Union way of, uh, again, sowing division. So they called like all of the Western Ukrainians support, supporters of Hitler. So they would say like Nazis, you know, like the West mm. of Ukraine are all Nazis. You Eastern ones are okay because you speak Russian and you are like more aligned with the Soviet. But those are all Nazis. Kind of reminds you of what they're saying right now about us, yes? So <laughs> nothing changed <laughs> since the yeah. since 50s. So many people actually believe that in Ukraine. Like, so generations of propaganda in the East, people were like, oh, no, if I go there, they will, like, uh, bash my head in. And I was like, guys, it's, like, not true, <laughs> even in the slightest. And then they will go to, like, you know, Lviv or something, and they were like, well, they are, like, incredibly kind, nice people, and nobody, like, said a bad word to us there and that was like, I, I love yeah. well you don't even I you don't agree. even have bad words that's something we learned about um when we're designing oh that, yeah um, yeah yeah that's uh, actually it's something i told uh, david but uh, to you to your guys uh, out there who's listening <laughs> so there are pretty much like two languages where there is like specifically swearing like words like words that mean only the swearing so it's english and russian so you have like a, a specific <laughs> lexicon to, you know, swear. Most languages, as far as I know, don't have that. So in Ukrainian, you would lose, like, your, use your typical words, like a swine, maybe like a pig, or like a, a, a stupid or something like that as a swear word. So you don't have, mm. like, 
something like fuck or like uh, can you say that c word <laughs> you know like that one. Uh, yeah so, yeah yeah you can say whatever yeah, you, want. So you, you don't have like that like kind or something like that so in russian you do and uh, yeah. i will give it to russia uh russian language in terms of swearing is superior i will have to give them <laughs> something i will give them that yeah that's, so that's, they, that's fair, uh, that's fair. They are good at genociding, at swearing, at drinking, and at, you know, destroying other people's cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Well, initially, because initially yeah. I wanted to design something that said, fuck the orcs, right? Because, you know, I, I like it was, I think, we're, I don't know what we're talking about, but I just said, fuck yeah. the orcs, like, you know, and we're just chatting. And then I tried to put that into like a, a translator and I could go mm. from english to ukraine but then when i copied it back went from ukraine to english it said damn the orcs and i was like oh where's the yeah yeah the because we don't have it we don't have uh, <laughs> yeah. and we use russian swearing here so thank you for that i guess russia and um we in the east we swear a lot a lot mm. <laughs> so we are like uh, russified truly in that in yeah. that in that sense we swear it was, i i am a russian speaker by the way for people who don't know so i know ukrainian so you speak obviously three, but uh, you, speak, you speak three languages then yeah well sort of like english is not as good <laughs> but I, I feel like uh, i feel like you speak english better than i do so that's uh, uh like not that, true so. come on <laughs> that, <laughs> no, but thank you i appreciate it <laughs> so yeah so i kind of like we use their like this swear words and um People in the West don't swear as much, or, or actually, mm. which is kind of funny because they are so demonized. Like, uh, but they are like the sweetest, like most nicest people. We hate the Russians way more than they do, <laughs> because they basically <laughs> have not been for once russified. They were in Poland, in Austria-Hungary, and all sorts of empires that were trying to divide us. It's not only Russia who tried, who constantly took pieces from Ukraine, and we were like, we just want to be whole, we just want to be free, fuck off. But this was like our story, basically. It's not only Russia, but all those parts of Ukraine that were not in Russian Empire, they speak Ukrainian still, because they were not implemented strong policies to eradicate the language. So that's why parts that were, for example, in Poland, in like Polish Empire of Ukraine, I mean, they still speak Ukrainian. So they were not like made Poles. So basically they did not, did not start to speak Polish. But in Russian bits that were in Russia, Ukrainian parts that were in Russian Empire, Russification. So the language was eradicated. Is, is there a huge difference between Ukrainian speech uh, language and Russian. Like, if you set if you set a sentence in Russian and then set a sentence in Ukrainian, is it quite similar for, uh, phonetically, or is it? This why I'm smiling is because this is like the question for some reason. People ask it on like Twitter and everywhere, like all the time. <laughs> and people who never spoke either of those, like uh, from the Western countries, English speaking countries, they're like, they're the same, and they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed to like I speak the languages I know they're not the same but this is like part of Russian propaganda basically right? so it's not a language it's like a dialect of something like a spoiled Russian uh, as yeah say. yeah well yeah but but I did actually some research just to know what to tell tell what to tell to these people and it turned out that it was actually more different than I expected it so I was using examples like for example Danish and Swedish so they are recognized as different languages, although they are pretty similar, right? But mm -hmm. it turns out that linguistic experts 
say that uh, it actually is uh, 38% difference, which is Italian mm. and, for example, French or Portuguese and Spanish. Or not Portuguese and oh, Spanish. Wow. Portuguese and Spanish are simple, are similar. So Portuguese and French, for example, Italian and Spanish. So it's more than wow. between these languages. And I'm pretty sure wow. that nobody will say that that Portuguese and uh, French are the same. So well, they have you like haven't met a lot of you haven't met a lot of Australians or Americans because uh, I don't think uh, we know <laughs> much about the rest of the world. Well, at I least try and... French and Italian, you know, give me that. <laughs> give me that. Yeah. Those are different. So um, it's pretty big, significant difference. I, I was not even expecting that myself. I knew they were different, but mm. I didn't know how much. So this is a pretty substantial difference. Uh, we are much closer to uh, Polish, for example, than we are to Russian. And uh, uh, yeah, if I say a sentence, I, I like posted words all the time, but some words are kind of similar and some are entirely different. So this is basically how it goes. For example, I would say something like, uh, let me think, uh, uh, in Russian, for example, украинский язык очень отличается от русского. And I will say the same. It means Ukrainian language is very different from Russian, what I said. So, ukrainian язык очень отличается от русского. In Ukrainian, it will be ukrainian мова дуже відрізняється від російської. So, it's not fucking different. similar. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> so, and the, so, I repeated so your name. So, basically, I would say, like, uh, what? I was going to say, like, say I, I was trying to repeat your name to try and get the pronunciation right about... I, over a hundred times. I was walking around the house and I still got it wrong. Like, uh, Anastasia, that's hey, right. Is Anastasia is no? pretty good. You're doing, doing better than most. Oh my God. That's why I call you Anna because I just can't. Yeah. It's just, it like, this is, that's what I say. Name you I speak invented. better than I do. Is it? <laughs> this is, Anna is like the, the American friendly word, version of my name I invented. Uh, okay. when I started to speak to foreigners because they like, basically no chance in hell that they would be like uh, capable of saying my name correctly. So I decided <laughs> I need to like figure out something for them to like to not torture oh. them with my name every time. So I figured that one will work. So basically what I said is uh, that that sentence, if I like say separate words, for example, like uh, language in Russian is yazyk. In Ukrainian, it's mova. Sounds similar to you? No. And for example, uh, um, difference, like different, right? So, отличается uh, in Russian, відрізняється, it's Ukrainian. So, not the same, even in the slides. Yeah. And... Some words are similar. Some words you can guess what they mean, which is kind of similar in all Slavic languages. They have like the same base, like Latin languages have the same, like... Uh, uh, original language right which they come from but they're not the same and uh most importantly who gives a fuck i'm sorry who cares so so john i was trying to slip it in because john uh who i think is a dgg is like us in the chat if you could speak some ukrainian because they love hearing people's voices in the original idioms and so i was like oh i'll ask the question uh and then that went into a huge tangent but um no it, no no, it is no very it's different. fine it's completely fine i'm joking you can ask anything it's it's completely fine i would rather people ask and listen to ukrainians than uh, hear some russian propaganda bullshit 
but it's just to <laughs> me it's kind of funny to people that people even talk about it all the time because just even if they were very similar what what the difference does it make yeah yeah so, it doesn't mean yeah exactly it, it's it's yeah it's not it, so it just feels sometimes like we have to justify our own existence all the time a little bit exhausting hmm I didn't mean it like that at all, just so you know. I was just trying to get John's, <laughs> John's question in there without sounding You're creepy. You're good, John. I, I answered the <laughs> questions. It's just that I answered this question so many times already, but yeah. I will again. I, I am comfortable well, it, with talking with people who are willing to listen to Ukrainian perspective, well, not just, you know. Yeah, and I've learned so, so much um, since uh, getting in contact with you. I've been doing my research. I started reading this book called um uh, i'm gonna forget the name aren't i right as we're talking about it but um i started reading this book uh let me just find it oh my gosh uh, uh, and it's frozen oh on tyranny and on ukraine so lessons from russia's war in ukraine by timothy snyder and he talks especially about putin a lot through it and on tyranny was actually a book that he published like ages ago like a few years ago uh and then oh, now he's update updated it to go like see like i told you like all these things like putin is being tyrannical like uh this the, i said it all here and and then talking about Surprise. You know, what to do and yeah so i learned a lot about um you know i i i'm sad to say i i knew hardly anything about your history uh ukrainian history russian's history or much of europe's history to be honest besides world war ii oh that's fine um, yeah nobody expects uh, you to be an expert you know so <laughs> yeah plus uh there was like very much an effort uh on russia's part during russian empire and then soviet union like i said to make us completely invisible so our perspective mm -hmm. was pretty much not heard anywhere until 2014 revolution so this is i would say the time when we got ourselves a voice in like in the world because um, the only um, version of history was Russian one. So you would like uh, browse websites, for example, even Wikipedia, for example. Russian Wikipedia, when it comes to Ukraine, Soviet Union history, is a, is a bunch of bullshit. And uh, people yeah, right. in English just translate that, you know? So they translate yeah. like Russian version, and that's all they have. So I understand that completely. And um, we did quite a lot of like effort to 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 kind of somehow remedy that. So basically, show mm -hmm. our version and uh, reality. Actually, not our version, mm -hmm. I should say, but what actually happened. And um, this is a problem, I think, with uh, a lot of imperialists and colonizing like powers, because they tend to appropriate culture of other people like uh, pretend it's theirs, which they did to Ukraine on multiple occasions. And they also make uh, people voiceless, so invisible. So it's only version of those who are the, of the, of someone who is a conqueror, who is the strongest one, is the version we, we know. And I think this is something that people in the West uh, have been trying for quite some time now to, to remedy, so show the... Um, the stories of people who were not on the conqueror side, who were conquered, right? So people who were like colonized and stuff like that. So you um, people in the America, for example, like make um, an effort, it seems like to me, to to show other people's stories and to 
to at least try to see the history in a more like objective way, not from a perspective yeah. of someone who is a conqueror and imperialist or, you know, which is good. But there's something for I, some reason, those very people who are very like uh, hate imperialism, anti-imperialism, anti-fascist, you know, people like that. And they see us and they're like, fuck you. Don't care about you, Ukrainian. I mean, so and I'm always like confused about that because this is the most blatant like examples of, you know, like imperialism, discrimination, oppression that you can fucking find. And they just close their eyes to it. And mm. um, yeah, kind of kind of hurtful <laughs> not gonna lie but uh, you know not all people are like that so there's that a lot of people will support us and want to know what we have to say which is pretty cool but there was not I, a lot I, of that yeah i had i had some friends who i have a friend who lives in china and they they started a little bit of a podcast and they interviewed people and the common thread is the young people know a little bit more about the world but the older people watch the news and in china uh, and the it's it's like the world is falling apart because they're not part of um communism and china and all that right i might be getting my details wrong but the whole point is like the world's falling apart it's all just you know going to shit um and we had a tour guide when we we're over there when we we're in Zhengjiajie, and um he mentioned that i was like oh have you thought about traveling and he said well he said it's so hard for you to travel because if you, you have to get permission from the government to travel, well, he does at least. Mm. And if you look nervous or anything, they'll just say no. But they and they only really let you travel to countries that they consider worse off than uh, China. So they'll let you go to like some parts of Africa. They'll let you go to mm -hmm. like country countries that are that are poorer, um, but they won't let you go to like America or or like Australia or somewhere because. Um, they want to try and like um, control um, the information. And we even had friends there. Like this is like 10 years ago now where they were living in uh, Hong Kong or, or some, and then parts of China. But I, I might be getting my information money, but th they said mm -hmm. for a fact that they doctored footage of a football team winning because they knew that if that that's the Chinese football team or soccer team or whatever won, that they the community would spend millions of dollars partying and celebrating that night. So they actually doctored footage and showed false news um, about like, yeah, we won, like when it never really happened. Um, it's just crazy very, very post-Soviet aesthetic. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. I don't <laughs> like it. So yeah, it's very like. Uh, you, you have to understand that uh, in this day and age, it's much harder to keep people brainwashed because mm. it is the internet time. It's no longer like an iron curtain that was... People made fun of me because I said iron certain the last time. So iron <laughs> curtain. <laughs> so, well, you know, and uh, um, it was, was something that uh, was used like in Soviet Union to keep people from learning information that was not filtered through the propaganda machine. So basically, no one was allowed to leave the country. You did not have any access to any information besides like newspapers that would like uh, say Lenin was cool and that's about it. So <laughs> basically, uh, that was the like newspapers. So uh, and the West, of course, is very degenerate and uh, lives much better, much worse lives than you guys do. So they like don't have uh, each shit basically there. It's just by the way, exactly what Russian news says today. I would like to point yeah. that out. So I, I yeah, love that. Like, I, talking about Western degeneracy, by that they mean mostly LGBT people, of course. They like to talk yeah. about uh, 
how like uh, everything is falling apart the west is falling apart uh, and you know all of that shit and they talk about it like non-stop it was something i was actually mm. surprised with in during again revolution time it was like many revelations in that period for us i'd say so when i turned i have like most of my relatives live in russia so mm-hmm. i basically was talking to them and my mother was and uh, and what were they saying about what was going on here i was just what so nazis everywhere like uh, hitler parades like shit and people like who are on maidan are like crazy some kind of like nazi terrorists and they're killing poor police guys all all day every day and uh, you know and i was like wait (laughs) this is definitely not what is going on and they were like no it is the tv shows it and i was like Mm. forget the fucking tv where your relatives were telling you it's not what's happening and this was the time when i felt like well something is not right in that Mm. it was something is not right with these people and i started and a lot of ukrainians started to watch tv russian tv to like learn what the fuck are they showing there so people have these opinions and we were like well like that so everything they showed was a complete bullshit like 99 bullshit and uh, the most interesting part was that they were talking i think someone did uh even did a survey and they showed that russian media at the time of maidan was 85 percent or something not about russia so news coverage news media sources they covered ukraine in the most like uh, false way possible and uh, fear-mongering always all the time about nazis and shit and they also talked about how west supports this like coup and which which some people still call it not a revolution but you know a coup like uh, and uh, also talk about gay people for some reason and i was like 85 percent of your coverage on tv is not about your country is mm. nothing going on in russia <laughs> The worst yeah. covering, like no problems, no issues, no like, mm. no like anything. You just talk about the West and Ukraine and gays. That's about it. And mm. then I realized what was happening. Basically, I, re- I understood that this was a propaganda machine that started to mm. work in in a very like um, terrifying way during exactly Maidan time because they were, I would say that they were like trying to show it in a certain way and as well also preparing their people creating the informational space for their people to be okay with what is going on now and uh, with what they did in 2014 so annexation of crimea um donbass invasion and those referendums uh, that they did with with, of, with guns already there so you know and uh, I think this was uh, the beginning of that, basically. So they started to prep their population to be supportive of what will happen next. And that's what happened. Exactly what happened, unfortunately. Do, do you, yeah, it's it's crazy. Do you... Because do you, it's, it's frustrating to me that the propaganda is seeming to work on people, some people in the West. Like, I cannot yeah. believe that there are like obviously you see like dumbass nick fuentes or someone like you know pro putin or whatever but like like well, what he's seems a to be very like, right, not... right person i would expect <laughs> that from him 
But, yeah, but, but uh, like, you know, I, I know who he is. So basically, <laughs> yeah, so basically <laughs> from far-right people, I expected that. So it's not a surprise. Uh, all of the Putin's body, body, bodies all over the world are all far-right mostly. So like I just Orban in I, Hungary, you know, like... like is, uh, is, is, is far-right synonymous with like wrong opinion? Like to me, like... Is far like because like I understand you know um, conservatives and stuff they, they want to have their like white picket fences and their you know um, you know the alcoholic um, you know father that beats the mother and she never has an orgasm her whole life I know they want that like you know nuclear family but mm -hmm. I just don't I just don't understand how then it translates to like these like objectively like horrible takes like i just don't understand how someone can be like pro-russian uh unless they're like either like bad faith actors or like they've got some ulterior motive or, or something it, it, so, it's 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 i don't understand it and i'm not I saying that i'm correct that maybe there's a reason but I, I can't see it i could talk about it for like three hours <laughs> so I will try to make it short. Episode two. Yeah. Episode two yeah. on the Deep Shanks podcast. So yeah. um, many things that uh, influence, um, I'd say, far right. Uh, if you are far right, doesn't mean you are like wrong on everything. That's for starters. But um, mm. what they, what, why I said I expected it that from them, but I did not expect it from the left people. Why I said that is because, so... A lot of far-right people tend to be very, like, uh, uh, protectionist, nationalist. They are, like, uh, all about power, about, like, military, you know, prowess. They are about all of that. They are all often very against anything, like, uh, progressive, I would say, like, like uh, LGBT, like, human rights, like, maybe feminism, something like that. So they turn to be, like, very against that. And Russia represents all of that very well. So I would say, like, they are, there makes sense that they would, like, look at Putin and think, oof, now that's a guy. So, you know, <laughs> this, like, I, I can't understand that. So this makes sense yeah. to me. So they seem to not very care about, like, um, you know, sovereignty of other countries that much. So, and mm. stuff like that, you know, a lot of them are very, basically, I would say fascists, right? Not all of them, of course, but some of them who are fascists, they are, Russia is fascist in all senses mm. right now. So this is something they would like pretty much uh, prefer. So what Putin said in his latest speeches is like textbook fascism, basically. Blood and soil <laughs> argument. Uh, anti-West arguments, degeneracy everywhere, people, even, he even talked about Jews, I think, so, you know, oh. <laughs> all, all the bouquet it's, of everything he wants. <laughs> and it makes sense, because so he's kind of like 50, values, 50's dad. Yeah, yeah like we would not dad. allow... He takes his belt off, belts his kids, like, that's yeah, like yeah. his, you know... They would not yeah. allow, like he said, uh, Westerners to transgender their children. You know, like mm. stuff like that. So basically, uh, like the textbook version of everything they want. So mm. that I can understand. But far leftists, far left people turned out to be exactly the same, most of them, as fascists, just another color, which is mm. something I knew as a Soviet Union person who lives in post-Soviet, a cheeky smile. So, you know, not a surprise to me, but seems to be a surprise to a lot of um, left-leaning people who are like what is going on while well, so many people on our side 
side you know like political side who like uh, who were talking like about anti-imperialism anti-fascist bash the fash this crowd you know and they are suddenly mm. like on putin's dick and uh yeah it is a bit confusing for quite a lot of people who like messaged me sent me emails since i appeared on like destiny's channel and they're like I'm like horrified with what is going on. Why my people who are supposed to be uh, like this anti-imperialist, like pro-people's will, pro-people's self-determination, uh, pro-LGBT, pro-women's rights, you know, why they support uh, something that is completely like antithetical to everything that they supposedly Did, believe. You had and the someone, reason for that, after Destiny's yeah, yeah. interview, you had someone reach out to you and say, it's on the Ukrainian people. It's on you to make Russians less genocidal. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's the equivalent of like, um, you shouldn't have worn a low cut top. That's why you got raped. You know what I mean? Like just, just cover Ooh, up a little bit yes. more. You know. I, I'm talked to this person. I trying to explain to them why it was, how should I even say it? <laughs> Why well, it was exceptionally <laughs> offensive what they said and how it's completely like wrong, like just morally on every level. Mm. And uh, yeah, people send me stuff like that. And uh, most of them I figured out operate on the on the thing that America is bad. That's all their politics are made of. So basically America bad and everything that stands against America, even if it's fucking North Korea or Russia, is good actually. So I know it sounds like dumb and ridiculous, but that's basically it's, what they what they base uh, yeah. their opinions on. It's so you would talk to like, them. Yeah, you would talk to like, them, you it's know, like choosing like, a sports team. Sorry, there's a lag. Kind of, yeah, kind of. So, like, very partisan. Like, so those people are very against, like, my uh, the evil empire that I live in, in wealth and privilege, uh, and insecurity of not being uh, genocided by Russia. But I will like uh, shit on that all day, every day, and just you know, like, this is actually the one person who explained this to me because I was shocked by the reaction of a lot of left-leaning people, and he was like, just understand this that. Basically, Ukrainians are not people to them. Just accept this as like as a reality, basically. And uh, they are just uh, see you as this proxy war between Russia and America. And they like uh, don't care about your like self-determination, about your will. They uh, have this weird like fascination and allegiance and fetishization of Soviet Union. So they associate Russia with that. And they think you are just being like brainwashed by uh, Western evil capitalists and shit like that, you know, and they see you as like maybe victims of this, like, you know, like America, Russia game, but they don't see you as people of their own who are fighting for your own reasons. And uh, they think uh, they are very much the same. So those very like far right people who are like America is exceptional. It's like the best place on earth. Everything we do is great. America shits rainbows and butterflies. And the other side is like, no, no, America is the worst place on earth. The most evil place on earth. Every single policy they did internationally is evil and awful. And they so they're the same. They're like, this one is just America is exceptionally good. And this one's America is exceptionally bad, but still exceptional. Yeah. So they, they like had, can't see that some conflicts some, have nothing to do with them. 
Yeah, we, we had P P Barnes and I were we're in a um Discord community. He, P Barnes is in the chat, and he's one of the my mods. And he we were having a conversation, and this Russian guy jumped in, and he was making some apologetic arguments for Russia. And he was like, "Well, America invaded other countries," and I'm like, "You're not gonna find someone here that someone who's like, yeah, America. Like, well, yes. I'm not like I don't think that's cool either, man. Like, like I don't I, you know like." Obviously, it's way more complicated than that, but it's like it's like if you have to point to like other countries that are like invading other countries, like, I don't know. It's not not a good deal, right? Um, I do want to ask, and someone said she is talking. D said she is talking facts one hundred percent, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. But, but Peepans uh, actually asked, um, can you ask about how local communities are doing beyond those volunteering? Are communities pulling together or being isolated? Huh. I'm not sure, like, exactly what he means by, like, local communities. Uh, it's, like, not like, a term we use that much. Uh, like, local, like, uh, towns and villages. And what they mean, I'm sorry, I don't people. know. The, the, the... Ah, you mean, like, how people, like, uh, inside towns, yeah. villages, like, what, what yeah. they... Uh, well, I would say this, and this explains, I think, everything. Uh, you would not see a more united and caring people towards others anywhere right now uh like in ukraine so people mm. support each other to the craziest degree uh everyone helps everyone people are just donate send money like all day every day just helping each other those who lost their homes or their loved ones who were injured by um lost their limbs or something you know like war basically so um this is something we do we help all of them uh, when we were like, we're trying at least. So government does its best right now, but people are helping enormously to the army, to each other. So we have like, uh, when in the in the worst of it, basically, when uh, in Kharkiv in March and in the, the end of February, when this whole full on invasion started, we had like chats in like Telegram, which is like uh, a chat basically group we use like. Uh, like an app we talk in so mm -hmm. we would share news we would share like this person there was like no food all shops were closed all uh, medical uh, shops like drugstore was were closed as well and people like say like guys i have like diabetes i need the meds but i don't have them what can i do and people were like let's find this dude his meds and everyone would like run around trying to find meds for the person like and give it to them you know stuff like that so we would chat uh, with each other so some elderly people for example had no drinking water at all and they could not go to find it anywhere like for two weeks and uh, we would like go pick water bring it to them you know like stuff like that basically so people help each other and that's why we are surviving and uh, way better than we expected actually so this is because we talk with each other all the time not only big volunteer groups but people who just know each other like their friends families the, and people they don't know as well we just help each other i think that's cool mm. and um sorry i will like try to make it less bright and um basically this is something that i wouldn't say like surprises me I saw how united and awesome people can be in 2014 in revolution time. And um, this uh, whole revolution made me uh, love people much more than before. And um, I kind of like have this bad tendency that more, more many Ukrainians have to underestimate ourselves. So we always think, think we are shittier than we are. But then something awful happens and it turns out that we are great actually. 
<laughs> so, you know, this um, trying times, I think, show uh, what people are made of. So this, I think, is a good example that we are made of something pretty sturdy. Hmm. It's uh, yeah. ve very bloody sturdy. And it's, it's amazing to see that you guys are not only... Um, keeping you're not only keeping your cities like fortified for the most part or you're, you're starting to take them back uh and in russia's army seems to be dwindling um i mean obviously i don't know all the facts but um but it doesn't look That's good true, yes. when when russia is like asking for a prescription i i was going to save this um message for the uh this this question for the end but i'll ask it now do you there's a lot of talk at the moment with people asking about if um wondering if this war will go nuclear with tactical nuclear weapons or anything um do you have any information more than the regular person about that what do you think do you think that they will like the russia will get that desperate um like so to start let using... me put it... yes let me put it this way i know this is something something many people worry about especially in the west we no offense guys but we joke around all the time about that <laughs> how you're very like <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, so basically that. So I understand that uh, because I think it's pretty reasonable to be afraid of nuclear disaster. It's not like something you would, uh, it's reasonable to be afraid of that. We something who survived, people who survived Chernobyl here in Ukraine. So we know that radiation like sucks. Let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically... <laughs> Uh, people's faces melted off so we know so yeah and uh, mm -hmm. uh that's basically uh what we talk about sometimes but most of ukrainians including our government um don't think that uh, they will actually use nuclear weapons and reason okay. for that is because for them it is uh they are nuclear terrorists they just threaten nuclear to get what they want so mm -hmm. like our Kuleba and Podolak and many other in our administration said that uh, West should not be puny, <laughs> basically should not back down and should stay stay their ground because you don't um, get give terrorists what they want. It never works. Mm. They will want more. So mm. you know they use this as an intimidation tool. I'm pretty sure I might be I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that there were plenty of statements made by, I think, Biden, President Biden in America and uh, also all other European countries that if they do, in fact, use nuclear weapons, that they will be nuked back. Yeah. So this was like... It'd be bad news if, if they use nuclear weapons, um, even tactical nuclear weapons, which... So I think they are not insane enough to not understand that they will themselves will be nuked out of existence. You have to mm. understand that this whole posturing they do, like um, those uh, infamous um, videos with their Kiselyov is like their media personality, uh, state media person. He said, we can reduce America to nuclear dust. And you're like... Mm. <laughs> so basically, this is, it's for their people. You have to understand. Yeah. It's, to, it's, it's to show their fascist uh, nation that is like almost entirely bought into that shit, that they are strong. Mm. It's very important mm. for fascists to feel like they are the powerful ones. They only support Putin, those who do in Russia, like majority, right? They support Putin because he they see him as a strong leader. This is very yeah, important to their uh, what? I said, he, yeah, he's 50s dad. 
is the is the come yeah. home, take the belt off, you know, wait till your father gets home. He's that yes. kind of yeah. So yeah. if they see they already do, by the way, after a counteroffensive started in my oblast, in Kharkivsk oblast, and we retook like everything like that. So and they were like, what is our administration doing? Why are those Khakhli is a derogatory word for Ukrainians they use? Uh, why are those uh, Khakhli are winning everything back in like days and it took months for us to take it? Why are they are so successful? And you're like, ah, <laughs> so they starting to, you know, criticize their government for being incompetent in their genocide and invasion. So I would like to point and out that they don't criticize invasion. They criticize how incompetently it, been, it has been handled. They were promised what, what the, to keep competition in three days. So it doesn't work that what, way. So about nuclear, would I would answer the question. If you if you let me so nuclear weapons yeah. is a threat to them they use it to establish uh to scare us to scare the west into into negotiations into giving them what they want and i would urge everyone to not succumb to those friends that mm. would be my my answer and yeah if we get nuked ukrainians i mean we will still fight that's about it I would prefer not to be nuked, of course. Yeah, it'd be great if that didn't <laughs> yeah, happen. What, um, what, what do you call, what are Russians currently calling the uh, murder of civilian women, men, children, uh, the bombing of civilian cities? What are they calling it again? It's a, it's not an invasion. It's not a uh, genocide. Special operation. Uh, oh, a special, special operation. operation. Right, right. Very yes, special. Uh, I can see. Very special. Yeah, you got to you got to kill those kids because if you don't kill the kids, they'll grow up and they'll they'll not like not So you got to make sure. You, yeah, exactly. And you kill the women, then you don't also get. Yeah, exactly. You've just got to. You know what? Actually, one thing I don't hear people talk about is um, is mass murder, rape, and torture of civilians. And um, one of the things that were told uh, to many women in Bucha when they were raped. Um, by Russian soldiers is that they will, we have testimonies, plenty of testimonies about that, uh, people who heard it themselves, uh, that if they will rape them bad enough, that they will no longer want to have sex with men and they will not produce Ukrainians. How's that? And then, and then in the same breath, they like, well, you guys are all just Russian. Like you, like, uh, what is Putin saying? Yes. Like, uh, you guys are all, all connected through a, yeah, it's it's disgusting. The propaganda um, is insane. It's very incoherent. So you hear like uh, things that like contrast each other, like make no sense together. You know, like so. But they mm. pretty much dropped this already. This rhetoric they used like few three months. They dropped it that we are Russians, that we are like uh, their people, that they're here to protect Russians. I don't hear it as much as anymore. Because I think it's just mm. completely ridiculous to say it at this point after everything they did. And uh, after burning our Ukrainian books, after destroying our flags, our architecture, our people, after making people in infiltration camps, which are concentration camp camps, I would like to point out. Infiltration camps, they would like see people who have tattoos. Um, tattoo uh, tattoos are very popular in Ukraine. So a lot of people have tattoos here. So mm. me as well. <laughs> so people would have like... Um, Tattoos of, you know, like um, Ukrainian coat of arms. So this is like a, called trezup in Ukrainian, which is trident. You probably saw it, think, 
the three things like that. It's our mm -hmm. uh, like a coat of arms, but it, it was also a prominent uh, symbol in Kievan Rus in uh, medieval times. So it's very like it's thousand years old this thing. So it's not even like modern day Ukraine. It's uh, Kievan comes from Kievan Rus in uh, medieval times, and this is now like, our court coat of arms trident. And people have tattoos of that. So this means uh, Ukraine, basically, what it means. So they would consider that Nazi symbol, and they made people use rocks to remove it from their skin with rocks. So, yeah. Also, like, uh, tattoos of, of ethnic um, embroidery of Ukraine, Vyshevanka, it's called. It's like a traditional clothing, basically. So people, would, uh, Russian soldiers would ask people, not ask, like say under gunpoint to remove that from their skin. And this is what they call Nazism. I would like to, everyone to understand. It's not Nazis. It's everything that is Ukrainian is Nazism to them. Or they, not to them, they present it as Nazism to their, both their people and the world. So it is very Soviet Union type of thing. Everything that is if you if you're proud, if, not even proud. If you just love your country, your people, your language, your music, your poetry, like your you know like stuff your people created, then you are a nationalist and you are like evil basically. So they mix those terms very like very much, and they call everything uh, since like Soviet Union days basically that you if you're like yeah, I don't know like Ukrainian and you speak Ukrainian, that's it. That's it. You are not. That's enough. You have to understand that this is just nothing but a but a propaganda tool that they used for a long time. And um, yeah, yeah, not only on us, I would like to point out, for example, people, actual native people of Crimea are Tatare. They are not Russians and not Ukrainian. So in um, during Russian Empire times, they annexed. They are good at annexing Crimea. I have to give them that as well. <laughs> they annexed it a couple times in history. So they're, so good, at, they they're good at swearing, from, genocide, and annexing Crimea. They're the three things that they yeah, do that. Yeah, so they annexed, annexed um, Crimea from Ottoman Empire, which is like Turkish Empire, right? And mm -hmm. people who were living there were Tatari, which are not Turks, but like similar to them. It is. And yeah, so uh, Russian Empire took this part of land from Ottoman and annexed it. And uh, basically what they did is they genocided Tatar. So in 100 years period time, so one century basically, right? There were like uh, at the beginning of this annexation, there were 98, I looked it up, 98% uh, of uh, Tatar there. So almost 100% population was Tatar. And by the end of the century, it was 34. So that's what they did, basically. And then they started to sell their land. Uh, oh, sorry, I need to, I need to, my laptop Plug to connect laptop. it with, like, with, you know, like it's, how the hell yeah. do you call it? <laughs> the uh, yeah. electricity cord. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they then started to sell their land to wealthy Russians who built pretty castles there for themselves. And they also started to, um, uh, to mm, let other Russian people live there. So like de deport Tatari people and just place Russian people population there. So replace basically. And uh, then uh, the rest of the Tatar people was suffering pretty heavily discrimination there. 
And then they lived in very bad conditions. And then Stalin decided after World War II that now is the good time to finish the job and genocide the rest of the people who were staying there. Tatari people, I mean. So Tatari were genocided two times, basically. And uh, yeah, and then he decided the famous deportation of Tatar people to Siberia, to other shitholes in Russia. Most of them died like on the road or in the first year of the uh, camp labor, like labor camps they were sent to. So, yeah. And they then were left with like maybe like five, seven percent of them there. Uh, and that's how it became Russian. So I wouldn't call it Russian. If anyone deserves to live there, it's the Tatar people who then returned, by the way, when Ukraine, then when Crimea became part of Ukraine. The Tatar people are very much pro-Ukrainian and they suffer right now as we speak. The rest of them who returned, like maybe 30, 13% returned back to Crimea in the 80s, in 90s. And um, pretty much they are right now being, uh, their activists are killed by Russians since 2014 and they are horribly mistreated there. So it is a hope, of course, that then we return to Crimea, then we can, you know, give them maybe... Uh, the maximum autonomy of the of Crimea give them uh, all sorts of like privileges they can possibly want because it's their home and they deserve it. And if they want to, of course, live with us, then they do. They are pro-Ukrainian, but you know, like I would very much appreciate our government uh, doing at least something to to. I don't know how you compensate that, but you know, so to at least somehow help them out after everything mm. they've been through. And what I was talking about is that the justification Stalin used to deport the rest of the Tatare was that they he called them Nazis. Guess what he did? Mm. <laughs> Nothing new. <laughs> Nothing new ever. So he basically said that they collaborated with uh, Nazi Germany and they were like traitor nation and they needed to be nuked. Mm. And that's what he did. But it's completely false. Every single uh, respected historian today uh, says that uh, all of the Tatar people were not collaborators. In fact, 50% of them participated in Red Army, so were fighting against uh, in, in Soviet Union Army, despite the fact that Russian genocide them, did them before. And uh, they still choose a, took a side uh, against Nazis on the behalf of Russians. So... Yeah, and uh, those on the island who collaborated with Nazis, uh, the little amount, like a couple percents, they were like uh, then uh, because Nazis took them with them. So they pretty much, uh, when they understood that the Crimea will be uh, back to Soviet Union, Nazis like, these are our, basically our people, our engines will like take them with us in retreat. So all the Tatar people who were left on the island were actually those Tatar people who were in Russian army, so in Soviet Union army. So imagine this, you are a Tatar person, right? You, your family, your ancestors were genocided, deported, uh, deportation, mass deportation is genocide. So they genocided, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, they mistreated in all sorts of ways. Your land was just given away to Russians, like with, without any, like you're saying it. And you still go and you fight against Nazis in Soviet Union army alongside Russians, Ukrainians, whatever, doesn't matter, right? And then you return after you, as a supposedly as a hero, after the war ended, to your homeland, to your home, to Crimea, and you get deported to Siberia as a traitor. 
good one. It's it's right. it's insane. And and something that that maybe you can touch on is is doesn't Russia, I know Russia did, I don't know if they still do, but they're still locking up gays. Like Yeah, no, basically not in every like part. Uh, I would I if I'm not confused, if I'm not confused in anything, they don't have like uh maybe like a straight up law that if you're gay you have to mm. be in prison. I think they removed it in 90s or something. I'm not sure. Which is not that far like long time no, ago, that's, but that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but still I I, I may be wrong something like i will like look it up afterwards but I, i'm pretty sure they don't have it like on the books but at the mm. same time they have regions like chechnya for example where um, kadyrov that guy sideways he is like a russian puppet in chechnya that was installed after russian and chechen war and uh he is uh his his dudes are fighting here and uh already fertilizing our glorious land so you know uh, yeah, <laughs> so this person pretty much allows uh, the um, torture and imprisonment of gay people in Chechnya, which is part of Russia. And Russia government allows that 100%. So they would be, those are like camps, basically, like torture camps mm. for gay people. And uh, he was like basically on camera, Kadyrov, I mean, said that they uh, need to be like uh, annihilated because they're dirty sinners and you know all sorts of things. sinners something so the first episode ever of deep drink they're muslim chichina my... people i mean oh okay but doesn't mean the... that's why they're genocide people of course but i mean like they're like uh he was like uh talking about like uh islam basically in that instance. yeah but uh but doesn't like uh it's not like because it's islam obviously it's because it's fucking Kadira. You know. <laughs> the first, the first <laughs> ever, the first ever episode of Deep Drinks. I interviewed my friend who I met in Ministry College. He's okay. one of my best friends. Uh, he was closeted for forty-five years because of uh, because shit. he believed it. He believed it was a sin, right? Um, I'm not. I'm not gay or bi or anything. Um, you know, it'd be fun to be a bi. I, I imagine because um, yeah. Well, hey, congratulations. At least you get the best of both worlds, right? Um, I kind of wish I was into dudes because then I get the best of both worlds as well. But you know, anyway, um, I always have this. I always say this thing. It's not say, all roses uh, and rainbows, you know. No, I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> we, we spoke about that recently. But, but I try and be an ally as much as I can. I'm even wearing my my ally sh my ally shirt. Um, Aww, but, that's cute. But um, it's it's just crazy to me that that like the <laughs> the um. The one pointing the finger at an, un, another nation for being Nazis are the ones sending the gays to concentration camps. Like, how does that happen? Like, and and how do people not see yeah, it? Yeah. Like, it, the it, it's actually it, amazing. It's a it's amazing the mental gymnastics that people the the, the hoops <laughs> that people are jumping through to support Russia. It's crazy. Uh, I was um, at the time when I researched this whole thing in 2014. Again, I was very like. Um, confused you know like how this propaganda being so contradictory and so dumb how does it work exactly so why people can't see that so they have like zero critical thinking skills or what, what, what happened how it happened so uh, then i realized that the more ridiculous the propaganda is actually the better it works so they have mm -hmm. this like complete word salad in their heads and like mm -hmm. I said, it literally enables the people's ability to to be like rational, basically. So mm -hmm. 
you would hear the, you would think that it's way too ridiculous to pe- for people to believe it but that's why they believe it because exactly, it's just the, Mm-hmm. I was going to say there's there's actually like so for people who don't know all the DGGs here in chat and people who know you and have come here don't know me I, I used to be a youth pastor I'm now an agnostic atheist and I usually talk about religion on this channel but the big big thing that I learned in my early days of deconstructing my faith was that that if you give someone counter like information that counteracts their one of their like deeply held beliefs they will actually believe that thing more like yes, it's, it's been studied exactly. and I'm, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's, it's unfathomable. And that's why, like, that's why, like, you can give a religious person, like all the evidence in the world that, you know, maybe the earth wasn't created in 6,000 years, maybe evolution is a thing. Um, and they will just deny it, all the evidence outright and believe their thing even stronger. And I feel like that's what's going yes. on here when it comes to the propaganda of Russia and all that stuff, the more bizarre you make it, um, the, you know, yeah, I don't know what That's to say. That's actually but it's like an amazing uh, idea you just said. It's true. I, I think you should explain it like that to people, and I will probably will in the future. You have to look at it as a kind of like very religious person. So they don't mm. need like facts. They need they just have the belief, and it's enough. And if yeah. you try to like prove them, so this is what Russians do. A lot of them, you would show them like so. Basically, you would go outside and you would film your house that is ruined. <laughs> like in ruins, like literally on your phone. And you will send your aunt somewhere in Russia this and you'll be like, look. And she's like, no, it's fake. You're faking. Like in your face. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, wow, that Ukrainian engineering, the houses are just falling down. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I have a story. I have a real life story, actually. A friend of our okay. family, he called his mother and showed him his, his apartment was blown apart entirely. And he just shows it to his mother in Russia. And he's like, look like barely alive basically the person was hiding himself he, he himself and his children his wife were hiding and they survived but the, the, it's gone the, like the, the apartment is gone and they like look i'm fucking homeless that's that's what russian did and she's like are you filming this in syria and he is like yes i took the plane and flew to syria to film you and just to make you like doubt your your fuhrer like your, your dictator it's like that. It's that bad. So you have to understand that you are dealing quite a lot of times with uh, two sorts of people, like those who are religiously believe the lies, because that's how they were like um, raised. Uh, their parents did, their grandparents, grand You have to understand that just imagine Germany was under Nazis for like how long, like not that long. So basically Hitler came to prominence and the propaganda machine in like decades, right? And imagine this, but for centuries, and you get Russia. So there's like very hard to so, even like imagine. But the rest of the people, they know. I would not like yeah. to like to like uh, pretend that they are all just brainwashed. Yeah, yeah <laughs> all of them. No, many of them know. They know perfectly well what is going on, and they share the dictator's ambition their like dreams of creating new soviet union which putin said a lot of times and this is something mm. like a new empire with ukraine in it the reason why I specifically want ukraine is a long story but it has has um it is it's very long story i can talk about that if you like but sin is ukraine is very important for that empire to exist and uh this is something they 
support. So half people basically are brainwashed, don't understand shit, especially elderly people, I would like to say. And uh, mm. some of them are just straight up like fascists at this point, ideology wise. So there's that. And there is, of course, like maybe 15, 20 percent, if I'm charitable, of people who understand everything and who are deeply ashamed and but feel like they're mm. helpless, helpless and, and there's nothing they can do to like affect anything. Quite a lot of those people actually run away in March and, you know. Mm. How, how do you feel when you see the um, anti-war protests that are happening in Russia where some some Russian some of the Russians are coming together to say like, no, fuck you, this war is bullshit um, to Putin? Well, first of all, if you're talking about recent ones, they are not anti-war. They are anti-mobilization. They okay. say nothing about war and that invading, killing, raping, and murdering people in Ukraine is wrong. They only say they don't want to do it themselves because they're fucking afraid. That's mm -hmm. what they're saying. So they want someone else to find for their fascist dreams. They want glorious expansion of their empire, but they don't want to fight for it because guess what? Mm -hmm. Fascists are cowards. So, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, they want some poor fuckers from like uh, eastern regions of Russia to go fight. I'm not saying this just to insult people. This is like literally the people yeah, we see here, no. like very Indian, you know, like. So those are from very poor regions, from non-white regions, quite a lot of them. So people are who are desperate enough. So for them, this pay they will receive uh, for going for into war is actually good. It's a step up in their lives. So this is uh, honestly disgusting. I have no sympathy for this pe for the people after what they did here. But uh, at the same time, I understand the process. They use people mm. who are much more poor, marginalized, you know. So we rarely saw people from St. Petersburg, Moscow, like uh, Krasnodar, Ekaterinburg, like more richer, whiter, like cities, you know? So mm -hmm. they are mostly are somewhere from like outskirts, like in the middle, in the east, like in the much more poor regions. And this is not a coincidence. So, yeah. So those people were very much fine with uh, those guys fighting and dying, but they don't want themselves there. Uh, fathers, their husbands, their like uh, women went to protest. Where were these these women when Bucha happened, like genocide and Bucha? When were these people with Izum, with Irpin, with Kharkiv, with Mariupol? None. But they went out to protest because they don't want their husbands and wives, or oh, husbands and uh, like fathers and brothers to be mobilized. Mm. I, how how I have no how do that? Sorry. How do you, but uh, no, people and, did protest uh, in the beginning, but not a lot of them. Not how nearly do you enough. How do you feel about? I've seen some footage, and I, to be honest, I haven't fact checked any of this, but of some Russian soldiers, like um, you know, like um, raising the white flag and saying, like, I don't want to be part of this war, and you know, getting out of their tanks and stuff. Is that uh, bullshit, or is that um, what do you think of those people who are maybe doing that? So listen, uh, people who uh, give up to a Ukrainian uh, to like t take the let uh, everyone take uh, us take them into captivity 
is uh, doing doing that either because they just simply afraid and don't want to you know die, but e either they like morally think it's wrong, which I think is worth uh, respect of the respect. We like could never really know like what their motivation is, but it's better for everyone for them to surrender, of course, and not to mm -hmm. uh, you know to do their those criminal orders they're given. So I would very much say that people who like went out of, of their way to protest in the beginning, like in March, in April, and they were like very um, staunchly anti-war. They called it war, they like named it war. Yeah. They called it invasion. They were like, these people I do in fact respect, of course. But the mm. uh, thing is that people in Russia don't respect them. <laughs> they don't have mm. any support and it's not enough for a couple thousands of people to go on the street. They will just grab them and, you know, like pull, pull them away in a truck and just uh, put them in prison. That's about it. So it does mm. pretty much nothing. I respect the desire to do that, to do the right thing. I think it's good, but it's partially pointless. Not even partially, it's actually mm. pointless. Many people needs to go, need to go to the streets. So those mm. like 500,000 men that escape mobilization, why didn't they go and protest? We did that. We know it's possible. Mm. You only need like 10% of the population to actively participate. No revolution was ever done with like entire population. It's not, it's never happened that way. Like 10%, mm. 8% ups, right? So there are 140 million people in Russia. Like 20 million would be enough. Do something, but they're covered. And it's just... So what what would you say like if this somehow got to some you know russian um peeps and they were like on the fence about you know because obviously they have some serious you know um risks to their own life i mean which is nothing compared to what you're going through at the hands of the russians but what would you say to someone who is like you know what well, we should start a revolution in this country and we should over you know try and um uh, like like say to the world that we're not not okay with this war we want to overthrow it. What, what message would you have to those people i understand that their position i understand the fear we had the fear as well when going to the streets in ukraine right we were shot at, we were like mobbed, we were like uh, killed all sorts in all sorts of ways. We understand that this is the... But you can get democracy, freedom and dignity if you don't are not willing to fight for it. You have mm. to. If I was in your place right now, I would be on the fucking street. And you're not. But at the same time, I understand that there is no point right now in doing that. I have to give it them, give it to them, because too little people would support them. If you go outside right now in Russia and like ten thousand people, it will do nothing. They will just, mm. you know, make this protest uh, cease by using police force. If you yeah. you need to go millions of you, but people there who I personally even talked with, they know they will not get support. So there's basically mm. no point. Maybe there will be like. I'm not, I don't really believe that, but maybe there will be some point when people will be so fed up with their government, like they're starting to criticize it right now. Yes, due to the incompetence, but this is a start, you know? 
start to like ask questions about the war maybe not in the way i would prefer it like why are we killing people but in some kind of way is better than nothing so to criticize your government is at least a step forward to them for them mm-hmm. and maybe at some point if they're pressed enough so if sanctions will work properly if their lives will become much more much less comfortable so no like they can buy some stuff they used to buy they can travel you know stuff like that so maybe then they will turn their ire like like their um, anger at their own government which is something i think can potentially happen but only if their own comfort is at risk this is unfortunate truth about more, more many people not only russians so unless their comfort their personal comfort is uh, threatened People won't do what is right for other people. This is like something that happens, it seems like, in a lot of places, not only Russia. But uh, they, uh, if they suffer 1% of everything we are suffering right now, maybe that will be enough for them to, you know, do some change in their country but i'm not sure about that and quite honestly i don't even care that much i uh, will not hide the fact that i do in fact despise russia <laughs> deeply so you well, know i I, I don't wish anything bad on people who are not fascists there i will say that mm-hmm. but uh the fact that there is so little of them just is it's showing it, sh- it shows you what the situation is like so when germany yeah. like uh, in nazi germany right they didn't stop being like nazis just because out of, of the goodness of their heart right so they lost the war for one it is very important fascist regimes they don't hold up when they lose the war because they are built on uh, the idea of strength and supremacy and uh, if you lose that sense of strength and supremacy, then they start to like dissolve, basically. So that's why we need to win. We need to effectively destroy their army. We need to take everything that is ours back. And uh, that will be a first step, I think, for the reg- fall of this regime. And, and then uh, Russia needs to pay reparations. Oh, that. Well, reparations... I know it's good like politically and everything but even thinking about just what reparation can can fix my father no it can't so, and that's know. and 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 like look i am a huge advocate for not generalizing groups of people and putting people into groups i i you know when i say fuck the orcs i'm not talking about russians i'm talking about the orcs that are coming in and fucking yeah and I'm, and this is what i'm saying is is you have i'm just explaining where i'm not saying it's right but that's where i stand but you've got a very interesting story in which your father was actually hit by shrapnel from a russian missile while standing on the balcony of his home uh it's an explosion like artillery it's not like exactly shrapnel but uh, artillery landed in the yard of my father's residential like little house and he was standing on the balcony and um, the shell dropped in the yard and shredded the house and my father uh, to bits. And uh, my mother was inside the house at the time between a couple walls from there. 
So she was not hurt very much. She had some like hearing problems and um, rubble fall on her. And um, she then went outside and on the balcony to, you know, and she saw what was left of my father and uh, she was unharmed physically. But psychologically, I think you can kind of imagine or maybe not. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, how no, it, I, I how can't. It I can't felt. imagine. Yeah, to see and your I husband I... of thirty-eight years, uh, like being torn apart and dead on his own balcony. So, yeah, she. I would also like to point out that I Ukrainians rightfully blame Russians for that, not only Putin. I will die on this hill. This is uh, incredibly insulting towards, like, basically agency of Russian people, I think, to call them all, like, 100% sheep that does not understand anything. And uh, they do. I'm not blaming them in the exact same way, of course. So the responsibility, of course, is much higher on the officials, on the president, if you can call that piece of shit that. So, of course, like, propagandists, media you know so same thing like with the with the nazi like regime in germany right after they lost the most blame was on the like those who committed war crimes like uh, criminal uh, like things like war crimes right and uh, but still the entirety of german of germany paid the price as well not like being arrested and executed of course like uh, the officials were right on the like Nunsberg, like you know like trials mm. but um they still paid the price for decades in sanctions in reparations in being basically occupied by other allied powers and this is something i don't want russia to be occupied of course but um i don't think it's possible right now in this day and age to do that but there gotta be something they cannot magically understand what they did to Moldova, to Georgia, to Ukraine. Not only Ukraine, I would like to point out. Nobody just cared about Georgia and Moldova at the time. People like pretended nothing was happening to buy that sweet, sweet gas. So mm. this pretty much is our time right now to be loud, to be visible, to show everything that is happening into other people's faces, not only for us, for 2014, for now, but also for Georgia and Moldova, also for people in Syria who were entirely unnoticed because they did not have like cameras and, you know, like modern day technology to film like everything that was happening to them like we do. And this is our duty right now, basically, to make this stop. They need to be held accountable for everything they did and I'm not saying, like like I said, I will repeat it again, not like every Russian should be on the trial. Obviously of not. Of course, yeah, but of course. They, that, but they need to understand what unimmeasurable pain and suffering they brought to other people and their regime did, that they supported or were silent for years. It did not happen yesterday. They did not become fascist yesterday. It was happening for decades. This is also the resentment they feel against everything ukrainian is not even modern day it's centuries long you have to understand that there is a history it's old it's like very old the the this like 
conflict between Russians and Ukrainians, Ukrainians' quest for our freedom, for our independence, for our desire to be whole and free is centuries long. It did not happen yesterday. They just did not learn the fucking lesson like Germans did. I do not blame a single modern day German for what they did, for what their like ancestors did during World War II. It's ridiculous. I would not blame Russians as well if they admitted their genocides, if they admitted their wrongdoings in the past as well, if they even asked for anything. People say you have to like forgive them. Now, in the middle of genocide and war, we have to forgive them. Are you insane? It's a conversation maybe in the future, decades like after this whole thing. How can you possibly say that to like a straight or a Ukrainian fucking person? It just boggles my mind. Such a privileged, secure position to have. And you just have to understand that this is a conversation that will not happen now. Also, how can you forgive someone who is not asking for forgiveness? They're not asking for forgiveness. They're also not... Also, fuck forgiveness. Show me actions. Show me actions, not words even, but actions. Years from now on, if Russia learns how to be fucking civilized, then maybe there will be time for, you know, like healing or something. Like, I'm not even sure. I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't lie. I don't think I will ever... Maybe people who will live after me, maybe, you know? So I wouldn't want, like, maybe future generations to, like, you know, hate people. But it's something that will happen in time. And to, like, demand this now is just... It's... The epitome of tone deafness. No, it really is, and and like you like you said, look, I, look, like I, I mentioned before, I, I, I generally don't um, advocate for just like I don't hate all Russians or what, anything like that. However, I don't know how I would personally feel if my father or my mother or my brother or anyone or my cat or my dog was killed. My country, my, uh, my city, yeah. my, my friends, my people, everyone. It's... You would be hardly, you can hardly find a person right now who has not suffered great loss here. Even mm. being forced to abandon your home is already fucking terrible. But horrible. it's more than that. And of course, I understand people would be much more like, essentializing like in theory is bad of course and it leads to very bad situations we know because they essentialized us as nazis and nationalists right so i understand that it's bad but right now it is it is not irrational because the majority of them supports the war so Hmm. when we say russians we of course don't mean like this 50 20 percent that doesn't support the war bless these those people i don't know how they like survived this whole propaganda machine and turned out to be decent people at the end like my uncle one of the few relatives i have let me like just uh, give you like an example so i'm greek and i have like ethnically like so i have like million relatives Greek families, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, most people like I have like no joke, like hundred plus relatives in in Russia, like seriously, like a lot. 
they're like uh, further away from me. Like, uh, what? How do I say it? Like so they're like cousins. close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're mm. like a lot of them, like hundred people mm. at least. And from them, maybe eight or ten are not straight up like excusing what is Russia is doing. Maybe if I'm charitable. Five actually are very much against the war. So, like, they hate everything that is happening. They hate, like, the government. They hate the ideology that is uh, rampant in Russia. But uh, five more maybe will be like, well, it's kind of complicated, which is, like, basically a soft apologia. Hmm. So the rest... And this is very telling. Like, most people will tell you this in Ukraine as well. We all In Eastern Ukraine, we pretty much all have relatives and friends in Russia. So we had, I'd say. So, yeah. And uh, this is something I talked with my, like, favorite uncle in Russia about a lot. He's very much uh, deeply ashamed, deeply... It just, just hurt so much by what is happening. And he, like... Tech talks to me and my, and my mother's sister as well. She talks about, like, with her colleagues, what they're saying at work, what her friends are saying. And it's just, it's so fucking bad. Let me tell you that. So those people who are sane right now in Russia, I they have, like, my deepest sympathies, basically. And mm. But the fact remains that there are a minority. So one dude actually was... Um, like trying to basically debate me about uh, like not all Russians, hashtag not all Russians. And he would send me statistics like, look, like 20% of them don't support the war. And you're like, 80% do, even with your statistic. Yeah. Not a big, even, big percentage. Yeah, so and even 20, like a 20%, a 20% doing anything? No, but uh, it's another topic. Mm. But, you know, like 20% yeah. of those don't support genocide and invasion of another act uh, and shelling of cities and like turning cities to fucking dust in their neighboring country that they supposedly think about as brotherly, right? Fraternal nation. It's bullets, mm. of course. Never, never been a fraternal nation. They, they always been the oppressed and we were the oppressed. But uh, like, whatever, they think that, right? So they think like that. And then you're like, it's not much. It's not mm. much at all. And to say that, I would like point, point this out. From those 20%, not all of them like straight up uh, like support, like in favor of Ukraine. They are just like, this will turn our lives into shit. We will get sanctions. We will get like worse quality of life. Why do we need to invade another country if it will like uh, backfire basically? So not mm. all of them are like, Oh my God! We're like killing like I know, and we're like mass murdering and invading our neighbor for no fucking reason. Yeah, they're it's, like it's not like, people like they that, think they're thinking of themselves and they're like, oh yeah, and it would be good if we didn't have to kill some you know people as well. Like it seems like it's a secondary concern rather than like a primary concern. Yes, you know the genocide of, of people. Um, this you can see with this reaction to mobilization as well. This is what I was talking about. So they are not against invasion and war. They are against uh, themselves participating in it physically. Like they mm -hmm. don't want to fertilize Ukrainian soil. Understandable. Mm -hmm. And but uh, I would hardly call it noble. So one of the most famous left left leaning people, like online left leaning people, is Hassan. I know. And what he I, is. 
<laughs> I haven't actually watched the video. I haven't watched the video, but I I saw yeah. Dylan, who you know, Dylan. Like I've my appreciation for Dylan has exploded in the last six months. Um, I always you know thought he was like cool and everything, but like recently, like I just respect him so much more. But I saw that when I was doing my research on you, I saw that one of the videos where you, I watched the start of it where you were just going off on Hassan. Um, has he changed his opinion at all? That's, that's what I'm famous for right now. So yeah, I see that's what it. You that's why, that's why you're like, you're, you're five days on Twitter and 5,000 subscribers. Like that's it. And yeah. also DDG. I would like to point out that I appreciate Dylan immensely. He's a very genuine person. He, he does not do it for gain for money he in fact lost quite a lot of money doing this uh, people would rather watch him you know do debates with people yelling at each other about some nonsense issues on the internet so uh, he is a genuine very genuine person i can see it everyone saw it here in ukraine that he's there even those who didn't understand a word he was saying but they <laughs> saw like he was he was a genuine caring person and i like yeah. well, I would consider him a friend for sure. And we mm -hmm. spent some time together, like in Kharkiv. He, I actually like asked, um, suggested he would stay in my place in Kharkiv to, uh, to save some money uh, for him because mm -hmm. I know he's like not a millionaire <laughs> and he's not sponsored by anyone, then, but rather only by himself. So, you know. He should be because he's um, doing amazing stuff. So, I, I agree. I would very much uh, like him to. Um, because he's doing something that not many people do, you know? He shows mm. um, the voices of people who are unheard, I would say. So we would, like, interview people on the streets when we were, like, in in Saltivka, which is a, a giant residential area that is, I think I saw, I saw, sent you pictures of it, I think. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, I did. You, so, you sent me a lot of photos. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is destroyed a residential area in Kharkiv, my hometown, which um, uh, more than half a million people lived there and they no longer live there. So it's completely abandoned and it's a ghost town, pretty much. And uh, when so, we were sorry, there... 500,000 500, people have left that city. 600,000 to be fair, but yes. Wow, wow. Okay. It's completely ruined. It's Mariupol-style damage if you know what I mean. Not many people talk about it, actually. But uh, it was the largest residential area in Ukraine, actually. So, like, uh, pretty much, mm. like, a district, I would say, like a region. Um, and, know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I um, went there with Dylan and my volunteer friend, Igor, uh, who I work with to do volunteer work. He remained in Kharkiv this entire time and have not left not no shelling will scare that man he continues his work and uh, yeah so he basically took us he's a driver as well so he has a car and he took us me and dylan to you know go film there and uh, show dylan what the fuck was going on in the city and when we were there there was like this elderly gentleman who still lived there one of the few people who still live live there i don't know how he lives there there are no conditions to live there and he was just saying that his apartment was pretty much the only one that uh, did not burn up in the entire uh, 20 floors apartment block and he remained there and uh, i told him if he likes to say something like you know on the camera i will translate and uh, he was like shy a little bit did not want to to speak but then he decided he wants to speak and he um 
told pretty much how incredibly grateful he was for the support of the West and America specifically for everything they did to help us. And uh, this is an elderly gentleman in Russian speaking city, I would like to point out. So, uh, yeah, it's not something you usually hear from them, you know, <laughs> due to like they were lived in Soviet Union. So there are sort of certain yeah, prejudices, yeah. but those are not changed now. So and uh, he uh, basically bowed like like that to Dylan. And uh, Dylan was a little bit like, whoa, <laughs> like he was like taken aback with that a little bit. But uh, I told him, like, you have to like get used to that. People are grateful here and they really like appreciate those who help us because we know that, mm. yes, we are willing to fight. We haven't we are fighting for our survival, for, for our culture, for our language, for our values, for our freedom, for everything. And but we know at the same time that our successes highly depend on the supply of weapons and aid from the West. So people know that, of course, they're slightly terrified that you guys will abandon us <laughs> and not give us any more aid. And we will have to fight with everything we have now and we will continue. I would like to point out that even if you stop giving us anything right now, we will still continue the fight. This will be much bloodier. Even more civilians in Ukraine will lose their lives. This will be like a partisan war, maybe, or whatever else. But not a single person. So I talked to many soldiers, to many people. Like I volunteer. I know. I know. I also saw statistics of people's opinions in Ukraine, and pretty much ninety percent of them uh, will not back, say we should not back down at any circumstances, even after a fucking nuclear strike. So there's that. Mm. So yeah. This is, uh, there is no negotiations to be had with people who want to remove us from the existence. What yeah. can we negotiate with them? Not much, I think. And, and for those people who didn't catch the start, I do, I do want to... Sorry, sorry, just there... loud sound, it's fine. Oh, okay, it's not siren? Um, no, 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 something just, it's a car. But sometimes okay. if it's a big car, like a truck or something, you just can confuse it with a plane for a couple yeah. seconds. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine. And then like I that. Just... know it's a truck. So I just relax, you know. Um, for those, uh, for those so who... we... I was just going to yeah. say, for those who missed the start, Estonia, Latvia, Canada, Poland, Lithuania, and Czech Republic, along with the Ukraine, recognize Russia's war crimes on record as genocide against the Ukrainian people. This is not like, this is not like 4chan memes. This is real, right? Um, and uh, if you people... do want to support... Sorry, if you do want to support Anna... Make sure you just the, the her links in the description. You can send her money, and it directly goes to supporting her and her volunteer work. Mainly her volunteer work, of of course, which is just giving bandages to civilians and to the Ukrainian army and things like that. And if you want to rep, uh, rep, uh, rep the fuck Russia train, we have some merch here. Um, you know, and uh, it's a little bit of um, design by me, who's not a graphic designer. Uh, Russian warship, go fuck yourself, and it's got the famous uh, image. So if you guys, if you guys want to get this sick bucket hat, I mean, come on, look at this, look at this beautiful bucket hat. Uh, all the, you know, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Look how cool you can be. You can be as cool as this dude, right? Look at this dude, motherfucking cool dude, right? If you, if you want to support uh, Anna, um, send her money. But if you want to rep Russian stuff and support Anna at the same time, all proceeds, hundred percent, every penny goes to Anna and her um, volunteer uh, work. So 
<sighs> yeah. You close so, the blinds. I'm I sorry, I just tried to, to cover the sun because it's just way too bright. But um, that's okay. Ah, still way too bright. But whatever. No, so, yeah. It, so you look, the, it's, it's fine. You look good. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I really appreciate you, by the way, you that you wanted to talk to me because. Uh, uh, we all like uh, people call Dylan actually told me this that uh, he was surprised with how much people uh, that's what I was talking about so Dylan is the person who shows the story of this old man in Saltyovka who else will mm -hmm. show his story so people on CNN for example I have been like on CNN like seven or five <laughs> times I think I talked with are you okay sorry I just <laughs> I've nearly drunk this whole bottle of wine so um Ah, uh, well, quite, I need to catch up. I'm, I'm quite refreshed, let me say that. Um, so I just uh, <laughs> Actually, inhaled Actually, uh, if you want to know some dirt on Dylan Burns, if you're interested, yeah. he gets drunk, like, incredibly quick. So we, after a very <laughs> trying day, decided to drink. And I bought him, like, uh, as a gift, like, those very, very sweet, like, wine. And he drank it, and he was, like, immediately, like, drunk. <laughs> So I'd say don't drink with Ukrainians, I guess, yeah. but, uh, well, and uh, he was you, very cute when drunk. So he's like Brave Cinnamon Roll, I call him. You'll have to, Brave Cinnamon Roll, is that what you just called him? Yep. So you have to, like, if you ever, if you can't, if you ever uh, talk, when, when you talk to Dylan again, you have to let him know that he's always welcome to come on this podcast. I'll probably reach out to him and say like, hey, what's up? Please come on. I'd love you to have him on because, oh, that's cool. you know, the stuff you are doing, we the stuff Dylan's doing is just amazing. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. It actually is. I really, uh, I cannot state, uh, stress enough, like how much his work is uh, valuable because, like I said, who will tell a story of this uh, old man in Saltivka? Mm. Nobody cares that much, you know. But uh, some <laughs> prominent people get to talk, of course, like, you know, like our politicians, which is good. They're doing a good job uh, in representing us right now, I would say. But uh, yeah, so people want their stories to be heard. And he was, Dylan actually told me this. He said, like, I'm so surprised with how much people want to talk. Like you would like, they would like film something like in Zaporizhia or in Mykolaiv of somewhere. And people just come to them and like, oh, let me let me like say something. Let me show you everything. We yeah. just destroyed. And he was like very much surprised with how like cooperative uh, people were. And I was like, it's not surprising. People, there was silenced. People were silenced for, for decades. And now they want to talk. Of course, they have the opportunity mm. to say something. They wanted to say it for eight years, for maybe 20 years, for 30 years. So... You know, of course, they uh, want to share. They want the world to see what is going on. So that's why people are very enthusiastic uh, about, you know, sharing the experiences, even if it is a little bit hard sometimes to talk about. But uh, people want mm. uh, others to know what is happening. And I think it shows. And uh, maybe this is the first time in, I don't know, like maybe decades that we are actually seem to be winning this informational war because uh, against Russia, I mean, so the world finally hears our perspectives, I think. And, um, and yeah. And yeah. And I knew none of your, the history of your country. Um, 
or anything until until this happened and um let me tell you like it's been fascinating to hear your story and to hear everything that's going on i i did want to ask you though like you you've been interviewed by you know you've, you've been on cnn uh you've been interviewed by news organizations you've created video diaries and things like that you've been on destiny's channel um but on dylan's burn channel dylan oh my gosh i'm drunk dylan burns channel is there anything that <laughs> You feel like you never asked that you. <laughs> okay, well, hey, <laughs> all right. Well, I am. I'm not Ukrainian, but you know, Australia. It's okay to date. I've heard Australian that. people can drink as well. Is that true? Yeah, we can. We can. I'm not very good at drinking, but I, I um, oh, I see. which is weird. Weird for the uh, with for the podcast I, I have. <laughs> okay, um, so, but what I wanted to ask is, is there is there something that you feel like is not being said that you want to be said like is there something that you want the world to know that isn't being talked about i think we covered quite a lot of things but there's always something more to say i have um i have a lot of cool stories and not so cool ones as well mm. so well, you know i would like to maybe point out something i already did that this is a a war um this is actually the war, not a war for our people, mm. because we're fighting the exactly same enemy that we did, which is imperialist yeah. power that tries to destroy yeah. us and yeah. subjugate us. And Fact. it is very interesting. <laughs> Facts. You know, this is very interesting when I read uh, some Ukrainian literature right now, for example, our famous uh, poets and authors, and I read the words they say are still on the money today. So they say about the exact same things we are talking about right now, which is just uh, very interesting. You read a person's uh, feelings like and thoughts from centuries ago, and they resonate like if it was written today, because exactly wow. for that reason, because it is the same fight. It is the same fight. Those people, a lot of them, our famous authors, were executed by Russians, uh, Russian imperialist state. I mean, so they were thought they were imprisoned. Most a lot of, of our famous uh, writers spent their entire life in prison. So this is something that that still is on, and I would like to, people to understand that this is not uh, some some silly, I don't know, like pointless war for we defend ourselves we only find mm. because we defend ourselves from someone an entity i'd say that wants our gun that wants our identity as ukrainian to be destroyed that wants our language to be eradicated that what that wants our uh, this cause our culture basically degenerate and this is People say about uh, sometimes about negotiations, right? They say like, well, the best way to achieve peace is dialogue and negotiation. And I, I, I received a lot of emails like that from people. And I ask them, what are we negotiating? Do I understand yeah. if someone says to me honestly, like with honesty, right? That I don't give a shit about Ukraine. I don't mm. want to pay more for gas. I don't want to pay more for oil. I want, don't want any like inflation problems. I don't give a shit. You guys get fucked. I don't care. Well, understandable, right? This is at least is honest. I don't think it's very moral <laughs> or very good. 
but at least I can understand that, you know? At least the person yeah. cares for themselves, right? Cares for their country. Okay, gotcha, dude. But most people don't say it like that. Some right people actually say it like that. I give it, I give it them a thumbs up for at least being honest, you know? Like, I don't care about anything. It's except America. Who gives a fuck? Why are we, yeah. why are we like, uh, providing aid for this uh, bomb ass of no, out of nowhere like country in Ukraine. I don't know what the fuck it is, and I don't care. Yeah, nice, I mean, there's lots of brain dead people in the world. No, honest, no. honest yes, that, right. So, but many people present it as they care about us. So they're like, I don't want Ukrainians to die, and I want negotiations, especially the lefties say that. I want to like negotiations to like solve to bring. What are we negotiating? What will we do? What about people mm. in occupied areas? So we do what? We you're, say, nego okay, you're, nego takes you're, you're negotiating with your rapist. That's what you're doing. Yes. So what about them? What about people? It's so like we liberated Izum, as you know, right? You talk, talk about it yourself. Mm -hmm. So And we discovered like mass grace and shit. Do we, what do we want? We want to uh, condemn those people who are still in occupied mm. areas to that? Mm -hmm. That's what, what we yeah. are asking us to do. And mm -hmm. uh, I have friends in Kherson, which is occupied right now. They, they like pray every day for us to come and liberate them. Do we leave them? And what will happen to them? What will happen to Ukrainian who Ukrainians who speak Ukrainian, who love Ukraine, who want to be part of Ukraine? What about them? Also, what make will make Russia stop? Next ten years, next twenty years, they will what what they will take next? Kharkiv, my Kharkiv. Uh, maybe they will go up to Kiev. When will they stop? We tried that already. In two thousand fourteen, we pretty much stopped. We they took our our lands, our cities. Uh, millions of people escaped to Ukraine, to Europe. Uh, most of my my friends, my closest friends, are from Donbass, and they escaped in 2014. They started living in Kharkiv and Kiev, basically rebuilding their life again, you know, in other cities in Ukraine. And now they fight against Russia. My best friend is now in the army. He serves, and he was one who uh, one of the people who liberated uh, Kupiansk. And uh, yeah, so uh, he uh, proud of, that, of him, but he was pretty much uh, he was from Donbass originally. So he escaped from there and he started a new life in Kharkiv. And I asked him, actually, will you be when this whole thing uh, all out war started in February? I asked him, will you escape? Will you like go in like Poltava, maybe in Kiev, in like Lviv somewhere? And he told me they made me abandon my home once i will not abandon my home twice and he went mm. to the army to serve and uh, this is the story of people here and uh, we cannot we cannot surrender to it because what we're surrendering to is annihilation of our at least cultural genocide but as far as Bucha and Irpin and Hastomel and the Zoom and Mariupol shows and all the other areas we will liberate and found new mass graves there. 
I have no doubt about that. No, new torture chambers. And uh, we will discover that because this is what they're doing. And uh, there is no negotiation about that. And I don't understand how people can pretend they care about Ukraine and say just surrender to someone whose whole idea, and they do not hide it, they say it out loud on their TV, is to eradicate you as people. Would you say it to people in World War II, to, to against Nazis or Slavic people who fought well, Nazis hate, hated Jews, obviously, and uh, but they also thought Slav, Slavic people were also like um, not good enough, basically. So they talk were pretty much um, saw us as, as not a second class, like a third class people at best, right? So they, you wouldn't say that because mm. people just don't see it as the same, and I don't understand it because there are all facts that show how much. Uh, Russia, today's Russia's regime is uh, built on this uh, hate towards everything that is not Russian. I just remembered for some reason, I don't know why, but uh, I never, I didn't share it with uh, anyone, I think. But um, uh, during Maidan, we, uh, when the uh, Yanukovych escaped from Kiev, and it was like kind of a, a big win moment, big victory moment for Maidan, we in Kharkiv uh, went out and we uh, dropped Lenin statue, like the biggest statue of Lenin in oh, Ukraine. I, I, think, I, I think I saw images possibly... of that. Yeah, I participated in that. So, oh. uh, yes, yeah, so we just ropes, use ropes, and we just pulled it. And we also, like, uh, use some stuff to, like, to, like, uh, do this action with their legs i don't know how to say it but the statue like uh, peel it away basically and we dropped yeah. it with just force basically and uh i phoned my father and i uh, not phoned i went home and my dad was with my mom in their apartment and me and my sister and my friends were just like oh my god oh my god we just dropped the like linen from the freedom square and my father was like no no you you didn't i was like no no we did i swear and he was like but but it's impossible. He was like standing there for for like my entire life. My father was born in fifty uh, seven, so nineteen fifty seven. So he lived most of his life in Soviet Union, quite not most like quite a lot of it, right? So I was like, no, Dad, like I I swear to you, we just dropped the statue, and he was he was like borderline crying of happiness, and it was oh, just so wow. so weird, and I was like. I swear to you, like, we did it. And he was like, what? Did you really? He was couldn't believe that this, like, symbol, like, of Soviet Union, of everything we suffered of, from Soviet Union regime, that it was actually, we actually managed to, to like, break the statue. And then mm -hmm. there was this funny story that my father was walking near this statue, uh, what was remained of it, a shoe, actually. A shoe was the only thing that remained. We were calling it monument to the shoe all the time. So, uh, yeah, and uh, my father was walking past it. And uh, Russian Today, Russia Today journalists, I will put it in quotation marks because those people aren't journalists. They are propagandists. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, so, Russia Today... And they're doing uh, a great started... job. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so they, they stopped him. 
because he looks like you know like an elderly basically person so they decided this is a good candidate to you know uh, to interview about evil ukrainian nazis who dropped the the statue and <laughs> the wrong person to stop so they stopped yeah. uh, my father and he she asked the inter the journalist from russian today a woman asked him like what do you think about that and he was like well I will say it actually is on camera. I think I can probably find this on YouTube somewhere, but maybe not. But he said, if, if, you, to if her, you find it, I'll put it in the description of this video so people can watch uh, it. Maybe it will be a little bit hard. It was eight years ago. Yeah. So maybe oh, okay. it will be a little bit hard to find. But you know, so he said to her, and I saw it like afterwards on YouTube, uh, that, uh, you know, this statue of Lenin is like uh, placing a photograph. Or, or a portrait of your rapist on your own wall. <laughs> Nailed it! Yes, yeah, so I was like super hyped and I was like hugging him and shit. I was like, my God. Uh, yes. Your dad, Did what a badass. Good job. Mm -hmm. And what's your, yeah, your dad? Your dad. Your dad stayed back in Kharkiv in the worst of things, didn't he? Went to, to like, yes. Know, he's like, no, I'm staying back. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the only two things I know about your dad. Um, and he sounds like a badass. So here's your dad. Here's your father. Uh, I, I, I did want to uh, ask you a few questions just before we wrap up. Um, yep. If that's okay. Uh, the first one is from Myth Vision Podcast. Uh, a friend of the show, he was actually, he came on, Derek um, from Myth Vision. He was a heroin addict for many years and he um, oh. he lost his faith in the midst of giving up his heroin addiction, which is usually the opposite occasion. But he asked, um, on a scale from 1 to 10, how bad is the situation in Ukraine with Russia? I'm sorry this is happening to you. Well, Myth Vision Podcast, you're amazing for you know he battled his addiction right and uh, yeah oh. he yeah and so he's and he's killing it he's, he's he's doing some awesome stuff Your... anyone who's interested in religion philosophy he's like his channel he interviews the best scholars in the world about the bible and stuff. oh that's so awesome really good. so you're fabulous uh, first and foremost but uh how the bad on the scale from one to ten how bad is the situation in ukraine with russia what do you mean exactly by that you mean like in terms of our like what like our disposition i, th I think it's like or... i think it's more like uh like i think he's asking um from a perspective of he only sees what's on the news here and there and there's obviously different opinions how right. bad is it actually is it really bad i'm sure that it, it's probably really early in the morning where he's here so he probably didn't hear the first half of this interview but um but is it is it is is it really bad? Is it like a ten, or is it like, you know, not so bad? It's a ten. <laughs> okay. It's a it's like, a hundred um... actually, but <laughs> if it's a ten, yes, uh, Do... yeah, of course it is. Uh, it it is. For... It's it's. it's um, I would say put it like this. Um, after two thousand fourteen, I did not expect anything good from Russia. I knew what they were like, what they how they treated us how they talked about us, uh, but this level of just pure, violent hatred, war crimes, like just immeasurable violence they use against us is something I did not expect. 
And I think it was a wake-up call for many people who were still like maybe on the fence or not exactly like uh, did not want to be part of Russia, but at least were like more sympathetic maybe to Russians, especially in the East. They feel not only betrayed, but just backstabbed and hurt. And this level of just inhumanity is not something that any of us, any of us even anti-Russian people, expected. So, yeah, they showed their true colors, I think. If you only open your eyes and, uh, you know, see what they're doing, you can see how truly... I think unprecedented it is into in 21st century what they're doing right now. At least yeah, in it Europe. It really is. So, no, yeah, it so, definitely is. And, and I would not like to belittle... What do I say? I was just going to say, the fact that, like, it, it, it's so it's so typical of, like, politics at the moment where you've got people who believe that, you know, Donald Trump was is the leader of the world and you've got people who believe that he was a piece of shit, you know. you got, you got like, these yeah. very conflicted views. You have people who believe, oh, yeah, the, you know, what do they call, the Russians call it, um, you know, the special operations. But then you've got other countries saying, no, this is genocide. This is clearly genocide. Uh, like you're literally just mass graves of civilians with mutilated genitals and broken bones and like executed. Like this is not something like, so you have such a dichotomy of thought around this, depending on where you politically align. Usually it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 I think answering this question, this question would be the best way. I'm sorry. I'm trying to somehow figure out how to not be so bright. <laughs> So basically, uh, uh, that's too dark. Fuck. <laughs> Whatever. I I I be like an angel. So basically, uh, what I'm what I'm saying is, uh, just imagine this. Uh, I think it covers the feeling. I talk and call my friends and relatives who remained in Ukraine every day to ask if they were killed or not by a uh, air raid. That's how bad it is. Yeah. So I think this is explains quite uh, like fully <laughs> how bad it is. So there's a siren, oh. right? There are explosions somewhere. I get a message on my phone that's air raid. So either drones or rockets um, or missiles or maybe shelling. And uh, my city, Kharkiv, before counteroffensives began, before we took all the occupied, occupied area in Kharkiv, there were like five... To up to uh, from five to up to seven hits per day. Strikes, I mean, missile strikes. And entire night, you just get your ass out of the bed, and you go to the corridor five, four times per night, and you hear explosions, and you think, well, thank fuck it was not me this time, but then you think. But it was someone else. Why? So why are they doing this? Why are they bombing died. civilian buildings in metropolitan cities? Why are they doing this? Terror, terror. They're, they're terrorists. It's like uh, we call Russia a terrorist state for a reason. They terrorize the population. They want us to give in. They want us to ask for any, to lay on their back, pretty much, and expect and uh, accept any of their terms. 
and we they want us to say to our president just please for the for the love of something just end this thing uh, but the it's the opposite we hate them more with every bomb <laughs> so you know doesn't work but they continue to do it of course they terrorize the people and doing it in the night is one of the strategies of terrorizing the people because i for one have not slept for seven months <laughs> so this is something that is uh, very you know you you prominent. talk about people have like this bags of their eyes so <laughs> you know they like uh, don't sleep much so this is a good strategy you... of terrorizing people in the night sure yeah you talk about like knowing like you, friends that you've, you've known for a while grown up with live with like you know dear friends and you're messaging them every day um i've known you all of like five days or like a, you know a short amount of time and even i wake up and i'm like fuck i hope like when i text you i take i've texted you like every day almost and i'm like like just like yeah. asking stuff about the stream but i'm like i hope but like in the back of my head i'm like you know and you I'm like, fuck, I hope like everything's okay. Like I hope like it, 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 it actually scares me a little bit. And it, one, it shows, it shows how caring I am. I'm just fucking amazing. And then like, sorry, that was a joke. I have to say <laughs> so to all of, the, all of your subscribers, like uh, the, I'm literally shining. What the hell? So uh, basically the, David is super nice. And one of the like oh, literally the yes, kindest people yes. I talked with. So. Yeah, oh, I will you. try to fix my my shine. <laughs> but but secondly, um, like it 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 actually it actually makes for me it it makes me realize how sheltered I really am, because like I care I do care about how, what you. like I don't do you know that I didn't how, it. it makes me realize how sheltered I actually am because like like to be like sheltered. I do care about you yeah I care about you like you seem like a really nice person and you know like I've we've, we've, we've connected over the last few days and stuff so I do care about you and stuff and I do care about people and I like in general but but it makes me realize like I care like I'm worrying about someone who I've only met for like five days you know people who have been killed in this war yes that you've grown and 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 your friends have grown friends and family have grown up with you've grown up with and they're actually getting bombed and i can't imagine like it, it showed me how sheltered i really was to, to see how how well you handle it and how well you just put on you know you you, you move you move forward you you volunteer you help the community like to me it really it really put into perspective um the situation that you guys are in the situation that we live in we have in australia here like how good we have it here compared to like a lot of places in the world and it just and it really made me want to say um russian warship um you know get the fuck out <laughs> or whatever it's, yeah um well, fuck you know, yourself, like, yeah. go fuck yourself sorry yeah and it's just yeah so i don't like i appreciate it i think it's very considerate I think that the fact that you can come on here and talk about some of the most like brutal moments of your life and still like, you know, you, you know, you've got emotion behind what you're saying and you've, you've had some, um, some horrible things happen to you and you're, you're still fighting strong for your country is so inspiring. And, uh, you know, Thank you. Uh, I, you know, if you, you know, if things develop and you want to come back on deep drinks and talk about all this again, you're more than welcome. Um, anytime. I'll make it work, but um, 
yeah, I just wanted to take my hat off to you because, like, honestly, what you're doing is, is is amazing. And for those people who have just joined a second ago, this is a charity stream. Please donate to um, Anna. Like, give give don't just go Thank get behind on your rent. Get behind on your rent so you can give money to Anna. No, honestly, like she, what she's doing is amazing. If there's a charity to give to, it's Anna, and what she's doing, it's, uh, Thank it's great. Thank you. I really appreciate um, it. Truly. I so uh, just to get through some more questions because um, it's, it's one a.m. for me. But um, do you have oh, any geez. friends in the in the Donsk uh, in Donsk? How Donetsk, is uh -huh. it Donetsk? Yep. How are things under Russian occupation? Uh, I most of my people, my friends, are actually from Donbas, which is near Donetsk area, and uh, but most of them ran uh, after 2014 when the annexation of Crimea, and then uh, and then of course Donbas began. So they don't live currently in Donetsk for me to you know say how things are there, but I can only imagine them being incredibly bad. So I have know people from Kherson, which is occupied currently and uh people people suffer a lot there under russian occupation and um i can only imagine things are just as bad um in 2014 in donetsk people who were not uh supportive of uh, russian military and uh, pro-russian militias there they were tortured they were imprisoned they were brutalized and they barely escaped with their lives from there. I personally hosted two families from Donbass who lived, who ran away from Donbass when this all started in 2014. And one of the families lived uh, in my apartment for free for a year. So uh, I grew to care about them a lot. I consider them like close to me and friends and family. And uh, they experience horrible things there. I should, I let me put it like that. So if you hear people that people from Donbass uh, were all like pro-Russian, it's not true. And um, I made that mistake myself, actually. I was pretty resentful in the beginning uh, towards Donbass people for, you know, like being pro-Russian. But then I talked with tens, and maybe even more uh, of people who were from Donbass and told me, no, no, they just gave us no chance. Everyone who was uh, who were, wanted to be Ukraine there were either brutalized, tortured, and uh, imprisoned, or they escaped. So this is not... We will never know how many people were supportive there of Russia, because uh, there is no way to understand that. Russians did referendums when their people with guns were already there. This is not a legitimate referendum in any way. And uh, I would like to point out that before uh, this annexation and this invasion, uh, the majority of Donbass people wanted to be part of Ukraine. We have those stats and those stats are true. So I would like, I would hope that people are holding on and those who there is no way to return to honestly most of the Donbass is just barren land right now so I wanted to say that I would like them to return home but unfortunately I don't think uh, you can return to a pile of dust so mm. yeah so it's bad more questions mm. 
Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, if we could send a message to our respective governments, uh, what would it be? And so this is, I guess, to any of the listeners, if they could send a message to their governments, what would you ask that to be? Please do uh, vote for those who support Ukraine. And uh, please uh, support us in any way you can. And by that, I mean, give us weapons, <laughs> not just uh, <laughs> medical weapons. <laughs> give us give weapons. Give Anna money and, and Anna will get the weapons. <laughs> I will buy drones, yeah. I actually <laughs> donated for drones just the other day. Yeah. So, so please understand that this is the only way for this to end is for us to win. If to us, for us mm. to return our rightful uh, cities and uh, villages and little mm. rivers and mountains and everything back to Ukraine. Uh, and um, mm. we need your help for sure, because um, mm -hmm. our enemy is a uh, hundred times our size. <laughs> it's incredibly huge. It's very much militarized. It has a lot of people, a lot of weapons, a lot of everything. And uh, we don't ask any of you to participate with your bodies, like with your own like blood and, uh, you know, fight for us physically. What we only ask is please help us with uh, aid and uh, we will deal with the rest ourselves. So I think it's fair and I mm. would very much appreciate. I truly do appreciate people who are willing to suffer maybe some economical, economic like, Things like maybe higher prices on gas and stuff like that to help us. I really think it's very mm. generous and I appreciate it. But just just think about the pain and the suffering people are experiencing right now uh, in Ukraine that we don't deserve. Nobody deserves. And uh, just just think about that and i understand that you don't want to pay don't want to pay more for you know goods and stuff it's very understandable but um but think please think about what is more important this or an entire entire country being genocided <laughs> i think yeah. it's something to think about it's something, yeah, for sure. Just before, just before we wrap up, um, I did want to once again uh, mention um, PayPal support for Anastasia in the. Um, oh my gosh, I said Anastasia, Anastasia, right? That's right. Holy shit, Anna. Uh as the more drunk you get, the worse your pronunciation is. <laughs> look, it's, uh, look, I, I, it's I, Anastasia. I'm Anastasia. Anastasia. Oh, sorry, Anastasia Paraskevova, right? It's kind Anastasia, of good, kind of all right. Par Paris Kivova. Look. The surname is awful, I'll give you that. It's a Russified <laughs> version of a Greek name, so it makes sense. <laughs> Look, I... This I, actually, um... this name is uh, the result of the oppression. Okay. <laughs> I would like to point out. So, Paraskeva <laughs> means, um, means Friday in Greek. Or okay. preparation. So, if okay. you want to live in Soviet Union... If you were a Greek person, you have to make yourself more Russian. So you yeah. would end at ova if you're a female or ov ending if you're a man to make your okay. surname sound more Russian. So that's why okay. it sounds so fucked up because it I is. Just wanna, I just want to point out that I've been eating a, a whole food plant-based calorie-restricted diet in order to lose <laughs> um, some weight. So that's part of the reason why this wine is affecting me so strongly. So I just want to point oh, that out. Um, I feel, I feel like a bad Australian. My, 
I was vegan are for a vegan? long time. Uh, I are was. Are you still vegan or is that the not war the war? Yeah, yeah. It, you have yeah, to do I it couldn't eat right. anything. There was no food. So I had to yeah. be, become vegetarian. So yeah, I ate some cheese, you know, and stuff. Because no food. Yeah. <laughs> so for yeah. two weeks. So, you know, and uh, I will be vegan, return to veganism again, of course, when this <laughs> When you can. Yeah, again. of course. And I... I don't think anyone would have an issue with that. Um, well, probably actually, I think so, a lot of vegans are crazy. Yeah, but um, but uh, so your your email is just there um, to to donate to your PayPal, uh, and obviously you can so people can go buy the stickers and the drink bottles and everything like that. Make sure if you do send money to um, uh, to Anna that you let that let her know that it's from Deep Drinks. I'm sure she will let me know, and then I'll shout you out on Twitter and give you all the praise and attention that you deserve because um it's awesome to support this. Yeah, and uh, but uh, in saying that, I do want to ask one last question. Um, what uh, do you have a message for? I mean, you probably talk to them all the all the time, but if you could talk to them as a whole, do you have a message for the Ukrainian army? You guys are in our hearts. We are incredibly grateful for every single thing you do. We love you. You're just people, brothers, sisters, and, you know, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers who fight. And you are brave. You are amazing. And uh, you defend us. We defend you. By buying your everything you need, by buying your medical stuff, by volunteering, by providing you good and awesome meals to eat, unlike the dog food Russians eat. So Russian soldiers, I mean. So you know, I we we appreciate every single one of you, and uh, Slava Ukraine. Well, um, with that said. Uh, I don't know how we want to end this. What what is the should we what should we say to end this um, this amazing interview? I would like to say you're absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed talking oh. to you, and uh, also your messages <laughs> you. were super cute <laughs> to me. And um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, Karen, you, I think I really appreciate people who find it in 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 themselves to care about people who are so far away from them. I think it's great. Mm. And um, I think it deserves praise and respect. So yeah, I really appreciate um, you and everyone else who who supports us and to who finds in themselves this like energy to support people who are not part of their lives. I think it's very honorable and we really love you guys thank you we are very <laughs> grateful and we will never forget people who helped us so yeah that's i think what this, i would like to say well i was actually looking for a bit of a toast but this is actually um this is <laughs> what i love about this podcast is we both get a little drunk and then we get like like soppy like oh thank you i love you for your support like i love i would it. like, like to I point really out that i'm not drunk <laughs> Well, hey, look, look, I am okay. Yeah, but I'm drunk. I, I can um, pretend but, for your benefit. 
<laughs> okay, great. Well, um, for anyone who is new to this channel, obviously, Deep Drinks Podcast, uh, we talk about religion, philosophy, and science, and now politics, I guess. Uh, and this weekend, we have uh, Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy coming on, and we're going to be talking about the problem of evil. He's a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I used to be an, 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 a Pentecostal youth pastor. And we're going to be talking about the problem of evil. That should be a fun one. Um, I told him that I just wanted to scream at him about why children have cancer for two hours, uh, and he laughed, and I promised I wouldn't do that. So that'll be a good one. But Anna, thank you again for coming on Deep Drinks um, podcast. It's been amazing. And uh, Russian you. warship, go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's the Russian warship.